Professional wrestling superstar, champion, entrepreneur, author, and show host. The Big Guy Ryback feeds you more interviews, more stories, more information, and more laughs than ever before. <laughs> Conversation with The Big Guy Ryback starts now welcome to conversation with the big guy Ryback. i am the big guy Ryback, and today i'm joined by a very very busy man he is uh, the co-host of a few other podcasts that you may recognize something to wrestle 83 weeks with eric bischoff grilling jr what happened when monday the arn show with arn anderson ladies and gentlemen conrad thompson hello Hello, how are you, Con, sir? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. My uh, my gimmick here lost its webcam over the year, and I have not fixed it. So my apologies. It is okay. Is that, if you see me, that's all right. I always I'm going to actually close this screen down though, just so the other TV in here is. There we go. How's your day going? Busy but good, man. Regular mortgage day, and uh, it was a very productive day, and. Ready to start my second job. I'm doing uh, this show with you, and then I'm doing Arn right after. Ah, tell Arn I said hello, please. He he was always really, really good with me, and, and nothing but respect towards him. Awesome. The so you I saw that you you keep the full time job then, five days a week. Yeah, man. I, I've been doing mortgages since 2001, and we've got 94 branches now, and. I can't stop. Like, you know, we've got, I don't know, almost a thousand employees. So I can't just say, well, fuck it. I'm going to go do rest. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but at the same time, I really enjoy this and it's profitable. So why not make money with your hobby? Exactly. No, I no, I get it completely. And that, I, I was reading that last night because I was, I was looking at a couple things and I didn't realize that you, you'd kept that. I knew you did that before, but I figured with as busy as you are now, how do you juggle all that doing because I mean, on these shows, all the different shows that you're doing, I mean, you you play a huge part of all of this. Well, I appreciate that. Well, what I've done is I've I've done what I'm I'm good at. I've outsourced it. I've uh, I've delegated. Ah. I've got two guys who help me compile research. I've got one guy who handles all of our t-shirts. I've got another guy who handles our live events. I've got one guy who handles advertising. I've got one guy who does graphics. I've got one guy who does social. So I've got like a twelve-person team at this point. But, uh, you know, that's, that's what it takes to keep the train rolling and the revenue justifies it. So we, we just keep growing. No, I get that. You're, you're a smart man. Do you ever have days with that? Because I like with everything in doing in the supplements and the podcast, and I have people, same thing that I have do work for me that have helped me tremendously, but I find there's just some days, do you, do you just get where you're getting I have to put my phone down and get away from it for a bit because I get bombarded with there's, it seems like when days of stuff goes wrong, there's 30, 40 messages coming in all at once and multiple messages. Do you ever have days like that where you're just getting completely bombarded by stuff? Oh, absolutely. You know, I need somebody to probably handle my personal social media because like, yeah, when you're, when you're verified Twitter, you get like the, even if you leave your DMs open, if if you don't follow them or they're not verified, it still goes in like your spam folder. So I've probably got a hundred in there that I'll let pile up and then I'll just go through and answer them whenever I've got free time. But I don't let the spam messages bog me down. And occasionally someone gets annoyed and is like, I DM'd Conrad 
five days ago and he hasn't answered. It's like, yeah. dude, I'm doing all I can. I got 19 fucking jobs. Give me a break. No, it's, it's one of those. And there's so many, I, I'm up this on the same boat and I actually have someone that runs like the other accounts that the, with the supplements and the podcast, which are minor in the grand scheme of things. But I do all my own personal stuff and I'm big with Gary Vaynerchuk and like following a lot of his formula and stuff. And like, I get up at five every day just to do website orders every morning and then to go into my social media work, which takes hours to kind of set up. But there's so many platforms. It's just like, it is, it can be overwhelming with all that. And sometimes I, I don't think people like you, especially you keeping your regular job that baffled me that you were able to juggle all of this. And again, even outsourcing, like I said, cause when you outsource, so people still need to come to you for answers on things, I would oh. imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the the worst decision I've made in my life is doing StarCast. You know, that just pops <laughs> all at the same time. And it's very manageable or much more manageable when it's just the podcast. But when I've also got all that to manage, ah, it just becomes overwhelming. I wanted to talk to you about that, but it's funny because I saw... There's all the rumors like with Edge, and I know and from having a couple conversations with him about the, the stem cells that I went and got, and he was interested in. When I saw that Edge was stopping his podcast, 100% of my head, I go, he's going back to wrestling in some capacity, because I just know, though, the effort that this takes, though, in doing that, that if you're going to go back, you got to be able to focus, especially for him. He's been out for, for a bit, but it, it's the balancing act completely. But the StarCast stuff, I, I always... When I saw you were doing that, it was I was really interested just in how much work that truly was dealing with that whole thing and dealing because dealing with wrestlers in itself is is something that I don't think anyone can really truly understand until they have to do it. Oh, dude, it's just the logistics of it is one mm-hmm. thing. But then you've got all of these different, very unique personalities, yes. and of course, egos are a thing, and. You know, it's just, it's been a life lesson for sure. And the life lesson is don't fuck do it. <laughs> because you got into podcasting the same way, right? You like with Rick that they, you'd never done anything podcasting wise, correct? No, I've never done anything with podcast at all. I promoted my mortgage company on the radio for 10 years before. And so you know, I do live morning drive or afternoon drive. And I was comfortable talking to people. And I, I mean, I, I have to speak to branches and realtors and borrowers. So I'm, I'm used to, you know, sort of public speaking and putting myself out there. And I was fine with that. But I had never done anything like a podcast before. And Rick asked me to sit in, ask fan questions. And at the end of it, he dug it. CBS dug it. They asked me to come back the next week. And I became an accidental podcaster. Yeah, and I didn't even, my first experience of hearing you was with Pritchard with Bruce on that. And then, but I instantly, there's just something about you have the, you have the, the voice for this first of all, but I don't, there's just something out of everything I've listened to. And I don't listen to a lot of shows though. There's something appealing about you, but you, you also though know your shit, which I think is a, a big magic part of this whole formula that no matter who you plug in with you, it seems to work no matter what. Well, I think part of it is, you know, I, I sort of know my role on the show and my role is to be the Scotty Pippen. I'm supposed to be <laughs> putting them in a spot to tell their story and showcase their skills. And I'm sort of the point guard. I'm the John Stockton. They're the Carl Malone. They're going to deliver the goods. I just got to get them the ball. And as long as you sort of understand your role and you realize that, you know, at least in my format, all the work in making a podcast successful happens before you click record. Yeah. Clicking record and having fun with your buddy, that's easy. It's all the stuff that you have to do beforehand. 
the pl- the 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 show prep, yep. the planning, yep. the marketing, the strategies, the monetization. That's the stuff that is what really kills everybody, not the let's click record and have fun with our buddies. Have you found in two with work? I mean, how many shows? Is it five shows you're doing now or four? Five, Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. Dealing with, because you got, you got with Bruce and Eric and, and JR and then and Tony and then Arn. Do you find similarities with all these guys or is each show a, a different thing for you entirely? Each show is a different thing. You know, I, I thought based on the success of something to wrestle, I could just spin off and do that same format with Tony and I tried my damnedest. And then eventually I just realized this isn't working. We had to do a pivot. So we switched to a watch along format and that worked. And then with, with Eric, I realized he has no sense of humor and does not <laughs> want to be funny. I mean, he, he, he thinks things are funny, but yeah. he knows funny, but he can't and doesn't want to try to be funny. So I just had to make that more of the business show. And then with Arn, he's really the most unique challenge of all because I've been dealing with either commentators or office guys. So they could sort of speak a little bit intelligently about everything. Whereas with Arn, I'm really only able to talk about specific matches that he was involved in or he agented. So that's a bit more of a challenge. And I'm figuring that out of of what our flow is going to be and how I can plan long term because it's going to be really hard to get you know, 52 epic moments a year from Arn Anderson matches, not to say that they weren't important, but you know, can I get an hour out of a, a single match with the rock and roll express without making it a watch along? Probably not. So you have to, you know, be a little smarter about your topics and, and be a little more mindful of your time. You know, if Bruce and I talk for five hours, no big deal. I probably don't need to give away five hours of Arn though. That needs to be five weeks of shows. So yeah. I've just got plan a little bit. And then with Jim Ross, man, you've heard the show. Sometimes you just click record and let that motherfucker go. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I was going to say, I actually have in my notes too, because I did want to talk about that because I, I like Jim a lot. And then because last week he had made mention that I'd saw on through some tweets that there was something on his show. So I went and, and listened to it with you guys. Cause like I said, I don't listen to it hardly. If I'm listening to anything, these it's audiobooks. When I'm when I'm doing all my work, and but like me and Jim have always gotten along great, and he had a lot of nice things to say. But yeah, I think you guys you were talking about tough enough for or the last whatever the tough enough was the million dollar tough enough with me and Miz, and it was all really good. And then Jim got to a, a point where, and the exact verbiage is, but it was something of bad, I had a bad attitude, or I don't want to misquote him exactly, or could have had a bad attitude. And then had figured it out or thought I figured it out, but did I really figured it out? And I know it kind of, it bothered me in the way, cause I really like Jim, Jim wasn't there for any of my run and it kind of, I was just like, ah, but I mean, you, you need said really good things outside of that. But I was like, ah, I wish he didn't bring that up. Cause to me, that's kind of uh, trying to think of the exact words, how I want it. I feel like that's a bad thing to put out there if you don't know the situation on someone's brand about a bad attitude, but I mean, you were very complimentary and then about mentioning the injuries and things, which I don't think Jim is even aware of. No, probably not. I mean, he's, he's unplugged and I'm sure he would just, you know, talk to KD or somebody like that. And they would say, you know, whatever the, the cliff notes version of their, their side of things was. And he just took that as the gospel and kept it moving. Yeah. It, it, really, man, I tell you it, I just wish he didn't do it. 
Because I was like, that's it's if he's I wish if he'd said that about the bad attitude, he would provide facts. Examples. Yeah. Because that to me, that is that's the only fair thing to do. And and like I can I've talked about it a million times to the listeners and everything. So I'm not even going to get into it, but I just wish I was like, ah, but he was very nice on Twitter. Someone mentioned something else. And I know Jim wishes the best and wants, he'd mentioned he wanted me just to see me fulfill my dreams in wrestling and, and had mentioned numerous other things, which he was very complimentary, but that was my take on it. That if he did, he's talking to office people with them. I left with everything in the, in the position that I left, they're not going to say anything good. They put a lot of bad stuff out that I had to have taken down through Bleacher Report and Sportster, who they have working relationships with. I'm like, people, it's just, I was like, Jim, come on, but it's over with. And I know he means well. And he, he sent out a nice tweet the other day. So, but I just wish the bad attitude thing, I was like, come, that's, I wish you don't say that about someone unless you know 100%. Because I think in wrestling, that's the last thing you want. I would say I'm the complete opposite of that of that and anyone I've ever worked with, but uh, it is what it is. Well, no, I mean, here's the deal without me even really knowing you, I know you listen to uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. And I know you read the type of books that I read and you are, you know, the, the Zig Ziglar positive mental attitude type of dude. And so in my life, because I am that way, my wife gets annoyed with me because I'm not negative about anything. So if she's fussing to me about, you know, her dad or family or work or just anything in general. I listen to her, but I don't participate. And that annoys her. She wants me to sort of pile on and be yeah. like, yeah, through that. And I just don't do that. Like I have no room in my life for negativity and I make it a rule not to even hang out with people who are super negative. So there are people in my life who I know, oh, I've got to do this for business, but it's such a drain yep. because they're so negative. So I just avoid it. Like I have no room at all. And I feel like you're a lot like that. So when he said bad attitude, I thought, well, maybe he doesn't know the full story about the injury stuff because I do follow you on social and know yeah. what you've been doing and working with. And anyway, no, yeah, no, I appreciate because you did mention that because I and I know Jim and I, I've talked to other guys that know Jim and like I said, I, me and him, I've been around him several times and we've had good discussions and I know he never ever means any harm with anything he ever says, but I was just like, I I listen to it, I go, he doesn't know everything going on. And it's just, I was like, but it is what it is. And there's nothing you could do about it. And I'm sure when we see him, we could talk about it and he can, he can be caught up to date and actually with facts, but it's, uh, I like Jim. So he's never ill-intentioned. I've never heard him that way. So what I wanted to ask you about the, your thoughts on Eric Bischoff and being directly with him and everything in his WWE departure and that, that whole thing. I know he had some comments he had mentioned because I have social media stuff and whatnot, but I was curious with him going into that, what, how that was going to work out with him kind of being out of it for a bit and going back in with that business model that they run over there. Now, if you had any thoughts on that, well, listen, I know it's uh, not something anybody is really talking about, but I've always felt, or I shouldn't say always, I've, I've had a suspicion that maybe this is one of those uh, 48 laws of power, strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Yes. If, if Vince isn't really tickled with, with what creative and the team has been putting out or the results that have come uh, from that creative, then he needs to let some heads roll. And, and if you fire a production assistant or a writing assistant or someone with not a lot of sort of name, quote unquote, value, what is that going to really do? But when you fire... A big wig, a big name, a big head roll. 
it gets everybody's attention. And I know in sales, that's how it works. In a yeah. sales force, if you fire an, a, a low producer, that doesn't get the big producer's attention if they're having a down month. But if one of your big, if if as a group you're underperforming and you fire who is historically a big producer, then everybody sort of steps their game up out of the fear of, oh shit, I could be next. And that is a management style, not one necessarily I subscribe to, but I know it exists. And they yep. even cover it like two weeks ago on uh, the HBO show Succession. Something bad happened, and they said we need a head to roll, and we need it to be a big one. And I think that's probably what Vince was looking for. And I suspected, and we sort of freestyled on JR's podcast, that this would be, that Eric would ultimately be the scapegoat when the Fox thing didn't go exactly as planned. And I don't know that anybody expected it would happen two weeks in, but it did. Yeah, and that's a tough position because at the end of the day, though, Vince is making the final call on this stuff more often than not. At least from my experience there and everything that I always saw, and no matter who was put in the position, it, it, it's, it's, I'd always give the people the example, it's draw me your best picture and you draw a picture and they rip it up and they tell you to redraw it and you, it, you do it a hundred times and by the 150th time, the effort that you're putting into it's not going to be the same as the beginning you know, pictures that you're drawing. And it's a very difficult job and I've seen those people there with, with the, in the, in the meetings and talked to them and, and these people and always sympathized with them when they're waiting there four or five, six hours and Vince is out working out and they're sitting in Stanford at, at one in the morning and, and Vince isn't even there yet to, for the meetings. And I don't think fans could even, it, it is a, it's a truly those, those people have the most difficult job uh, in dealing with that, the model that, that Vince has there. And it's like, unfortunately with Eric, I think that you're exactly right. That is the case. And with Fox, that quick it's i don't know everything ww the way they've done and not that business model i feel like it's finally caught up to them in a way and whatnot and i what are your thoughts on that with everything going forward and like the declining ratings and and you've been a fan of wrestling your whole life do you notice a difference watching the product the last since they bought wcw and kind of got rid of the competition there have you noticed a change in how they push superstars and that whole model Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the whole presentation has changed a few times, and I can't say it's always to my liking, but I always you know, tell the story that maybe something on the show just isn't for you. Yeah. And my best example of that is when I was watching with my daughter and, and Naomi debuted the belt that you know, it was like a glowing belt that had LEDs all the way around it. And she thought that was the coolest thing ever. But before she said that, internally, I thought, boy, this is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, Dad, isn't that cool? And that's when it hit me. It was like, oh, that wasn't for me. Yeah. And I can't help but think, like, as a kid, how much I loved the Million Dollar Man and that Million Dollar Belt. I thought it was the coolest belt ever. But I think if they brought out the Million Dollar Belt now in 2019, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. This is the dumbest thing I've ever yeah. seen. And so my dad, when he watched it with me when I was a kid, he was probably thinking, this is, look at this jackass's suit, yep. this silly belt, this is stupid. But I, as a kid, thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I've just started to adopt anything I don't like in wrestling. I just sort of say, oh, well, that, that part wasn't for me. That was for kids, or that was for women, or that was for older people, or whatever. It just wasn't for me. But I can, as long as I approach it that way, again, with the understanding that I don't allow negativity to creep into my brain like that, I just look forward to the next segment and hope that it is something I like. And thanks to our great friend called DVR, I don't have to watch the stuff I don't want to watch. I can just fast forward to the stuff I do. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I've mentioned that too, that when we're, you're watching a product, our, 
when you're watching it through kids' eyes, as we did when we were kids growing up, your interpretation of everything is completely different that as you get older, you see it in a different way because you are older and whatnot on that end. So, and that is, I'm very big on that too, as far as, and, and with their show, WWE, they are appealing to a larger fan base and they have to have different things on there appealing to different ages and, and for kids and their, and their women and their girls audience is bigger than it was ever been from the total diva show and whatnot. And that's a great point. And, that is like too often there's I there's a lot of things I enjoy that I see and I know a lot of the guys there and, and get great enjoyment and seeing guys do well there. I just wish and knowing from and being there, I wish the business model changed a little bit on allowing, you know, bigger names. Like that was another thing Jim had mentioned that he didn't think I trusted them. He was spot on. And and I have there's multiple things with them, you know, dropping the multi-million dollar lawsuit before the punk feud and threatening me with my job and me agreeing to it and then the game starting with that and different things throughout my time there where I just didn't trust them. But one of the things was while I was in that top spot, Hunter telling me that I'm not, they're never going to have another marquee name outside of Cena ever again. And that was just took the sale, the wind right out of my sails that everything that I knew and loved and understood about pro wrestling and that in, in hard work and to be told that no, we're never going to allow that again and watching and seeing that they've never allowed that since to me was a really tough pill to swallow that I eventually it was an easy decision to leave. And again, the injuries sped that process up for me a little quicker than I would have wanted. But I, I was curious if you've noticed it on that end, as far as making the like iconic names with today's stars. Cause I think the the wrestling, the wrestlers are as great as they've ever been in different areas. But I think it, from a creative standpoint, that's something that's been lacking that when guys do get hot, like when Braun was hot, when Rusev was, was hot, back in their, their periods, not capitalizing on those big moments. Is that something you've noticed change over the years with them? Well, yeah. And in the most, like it's happened a lot. I mean, I, there was a lot of people upset with the Daniel Bryan thing in 2014, but you go back a year or two and the first person they did it with in that era was you. I mean, and I know that sounds like I'm putting you over here, but I mean, numbers don't lie. Go look, you yeah. popped right when you were in there with, with CM Punk and then they went with the fuck finish and it was never the same, but they had momentum with you. They had an opportunity to do something and for better or worse, people were saying, Oh, he's the new Goldberg or whatever. And then people were sort of fantasy booking it and fans were chanting, feed me more. And then for whatever reason, they decided to go a different direction yeah. and it's never the same. And they did that with Rusev. I mean, the motherfucker rode a tank into WrestleMania yep. to wrestle on Cena. And now, you know, he's being cuckolded on TV every week. <laughs> What are you, that's, uh, I didn't have that in my notes, but speaking of just, what are your thoughts on that whole angle? Cause I know Rusev very well, we're friends and I know he's in contract negotiations. And the first thing I said to him was why the fuck did you agree to this angle? Cause I know how they operate where they put you in these really bad situations while your contract's being negotiated because it can go, it can go either way very quickly, depending on what you decide to do. What are your thoughts on that whole thing? Yeah, as a well, fan watching that. Well, thankfully, Rusev is a big enough talent that that he can overcome it no yeah. matter what. And, and I don't think, I don't think everybody uh, who watches the show can appreciate the little things he does that just really resonate with fans. But yeah. even the silly stuff they've given him, you know, when when he you know had a singing tag team partner, he made Happy Rusev Day. That thing blew up so fast, mm -hmm. and it's little things like that that he's able to do that make me confident that. 
no matter what they do to him right now, he's going to be fine. But without you even telling me he was in contract negotiations, I freestyled on Conan's podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, his contract's got to be coming up, and they just want to make sure they shit on him on the way out. Yeah. And that sucks, but that was the way I read it as soon as I saw it. And it's unfortunate, but here's the deal. Uh, dude's a millionaire, has a hot wife, and is going to have plenty of job offers. <laughs> yeah. I ain't too worried about him. Very good point. He is. He's honestly, in knowing him, I think in social media has been uh, uh, very beneficial to him for people to see his real personality and the, the TV show. He's a very endearing human being. Like when he was out there with uh, the King the other night, and he almost he he gives me that Arnold Schwarzenegger foreigner vibe. How he's he's just very friendly, very joy. There's he's a jolly big man at times that make you just. He has that. To me, it's the X factor. There's an energy about him that is that is big money if they want to make it big money. But hopefully, again, if he if he decides to stay, then uh, we'll, we'll see him overcome the cuckold angle. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine though, like if he was to? And I know we're just fantasy booking the territory now, but if he if he showed up on AEW, it would be a fucking monster reaction. I mean, a huge reaction. And you know, he wouldn't have to go straight there if he wanted to you know, have some dalliances in impact or MLW or new Japan us, or there's so many options right now, which is great, but he's going to be fine no matter where he goes. And, uh, no longer is WWE sort of the only game in town. So I, I don't think this is going to hurt him long-term, but I am excited to see what the end of this storyline looks like, whether he leaves or we get this, you know, monster baby face superstar. No, I agree. I, you know, I, with having AEW here, for me, and having everything, and finally feeling good, and being on the path to hopefully being able to come back, and hope I'm I'm hoping early 2020, if everything goes well. But for the first time, because for me and people like, and I talked about it, a lot would have to happen with WWE for me to have trust there with all the things. And I'm not even talking creatively. The creative stuff is is what it is. It was more like I talked about with the lawsuit and different opportunities that got shut down for me. That really, really. Uh, in different conversations that I had where it's very personal to me and there is no trust. So that would, and, and again, leaving and having the 14 stem cell procedures because of all the drugs that got pumped in my body the last two years, which I have to take responsibility for, but I was told that I would be okay with it. Again, I, I got to take the blame. I allowed them to do it and whatnot, but being, having to pay for all this stuff, which is fine, but just having an understanding, not no phone calls, nothing, Hey, you know, you know, sorry about this or whatever. It's, it's a very cutthroat business once you leave there. And again, I chose to leave and whatnot, but a lot would have to happen for me to even want to even think about working with them in any capacity. But when AEW came about for the first time, I go, holy shit, our generation. Cause to me too, the other promotions as great as is for guys, I think coming up it, what what I walked away from, I look at anything other than WWE or AEW being a step down personally, just for where I felt I was when I left and whatnot. But I think now having AEW a very in what they're doing it, it, for the first time, I'm genuinely excited as a wrestler because our generation of guys and Cody's mentioned it. We kind of got, I don't want to say the word fucked over, but we had nowhere to go in WWE. They're like from developmental, all the guys, it was, you sign the contract. So you, you don't do anything really. There was really no other options for quite a long time. And now until recently, now there's all these promotions and AEW from a wrestler standpoint, along with fans, 
to me, this is, is the beginning of a really cool period of another. And I guess you can say it could be the beginning of a boom if everything continues on. Well, I don't know that we're at a boom. You know, I mean, I don't think the ratings would no, show. No, we're the, not. Not yet, no. But I do think we have fan bases we've ever had. And those fan bases have more disposable income and they're willing to, you know, put it into wrestling maybe more than ever before. So I do think we have a passionate fan base, yes. but I don't think it's nearly as large. But, you know, I'm glad that you're talking about coming back because to me, it does seem like a no brainer. I know that you've been friendly with Cody Rhodes over the years and you're a fucking monster. They need monsters. You would be a great fit for AEW. No, I would. It would honestly, to me, this is. It would be the most realistic fit, especially with the, their business model, with everything that they're doing in, in taking care of, of the talent. I just, and Cody, and Cody went through a lot, and I've lived with Cody many years ago, and I've seen a lot of different things with him and within his time up there, and, uh, and you know, have some information on different things that happened with him and with, with different people there and whatnot. It's, but I, again, and I've always said, I, I have to be healthy for him, and I've been very open that, and again, Maybe it's to a fault. I just tell people exactly what happened. Like I telling people that you needed a five disc fusion and a shoulder replacement doesn't do me any favors for wrestling promotions. Well, fuck this guy's he damaged goods. Luckily, <laughs> through the fourteen stem cell procedures, my back is a hundred percent. I have no issues. Back going hard. The shoulder, I do. I'm three and a half, four hours of rehab and working out every day. I'm back to three hundred pounds, and we're. I mean, it's a fucking. It's it's work to try to get back, but I have to be at a high level for me to want to go back and to do what I want to do. But I've heard Cody, and I was curious on your thoughts on this with AEW. I am hoping in over time, cause I know they're, and I understand the whole, the, their, their business model, as far as the wrestling goes and the style of wrestling and whatnot. And I've heard Cody in different interviews, kind of mention about the WWE guys or former WWE guys. I feel like they have a negative perception on that and they use and i've heard different things on like with impact bringing back guys before which to me those guys were all much older at a different point in their career where they weren't hungry anymore but i'm hoping aew kind of opens their mind on that with because i think with our generation of guys in the damian sandals and there's there's the, the Stu bennett's and there's some fucking main event fucking guys out there that AEW can get their hands on and put a fresh coat of paint on and get a lot of mileage out of and really and what it will do is enhance that roster and give it more balance because you know if you've seen it with WWE when you try to get a new guy over just one new guy over it takes time now you're talking about the majority of the roster that's a whole different thing so to me it would be a positive discussion putting the right pieces in that will fit with the goals of the company over time and I hope that they keep an open mind to that in the future, because I've heard interviews where it doesn't sound like that, that where he's where we have to focus on jungle boy. And I'm like, that's great. You're also though going to have to get ratings and you're going to need in the only way for like, for me, when I WWE, my main event run working with CM punk elevated me, you have to work with guys that have names to get elevated essentially that, or that's always been the formula in pro wrestling. So I just hope that they, they keep an open mind to that. And when the time is right, I think there will definitely be some discussions. Well, that's great news. And, and and I agree with you that there is, you know, value in former WWE guys. I mean, we've already seen, they picked up Sean Spears and now Jake Hager and obviously Jericho's there and Cody, but I understand that they don't want it to become sort of TNA 2.0 because TNA did 
it was a, it was a deal where you knew if on WWE.com someone is future endeavored, you can set your watch by it. They're about to show up in TNA, and yeah, did that become predictable? But you also it also sort of felt like you were just getting the leftovers. And I do want something fresh. I do want something new. And I'm glad they're choosing to showcase guys like Private Party and you know Jur- Jurassic Express. And yep. It's new talent that maybe the mainstream haven't seen. And Lucha Bros. I mean, the, the Lucha Bros are, are arguably one of the best tag teams in the world. I think Phoenix is probably the most underrated wrestler running around right now. And I'm glad that they're all given this opportunity to shine. But I agree with you in time. You could drip in a Ryback and uh, a former Damian Sandow. And those can make sense. But if your roster day one is sort of warmed over WWE guys, then it does feel a little TNA-esque. And I understand the uh, the need to maybe stagger those in. I, I agree with you. I I was talking to, and, and me and Wade Barrett, Stu, we've gone back from our Nexus days and before that uh, being friends. And he, you know, he's been gone for some time. And I think and that's the other thing I, people don't understand. And like, and I know Cody understands a lot of this. I think there's a difference. So from being fired from WWE and then guys that fucking just said, fuck you and walked away because of the bullshit for whatever their own personal reasons. And I was talking to Stu the other day and I know Stu didn't, he's wanted nothing to do with wrestling for a while. He had, he's had a lot of other stuff going on and he has his personal life and he's a great human being. And lately there's been a lot of, a lot of texts back and forth about the, the different things going on with the different wrestling promotions. And we both have, we both have very interesting careers and stories that very similar in a lot of ways in starting from the Nexus and Wade obviously was the one during that period that was the main event guy with that. And it, we saw it with him. He, I would say that he was one of the first two b- before my run is Ryback Wade. I felt should have had a championship run with Cena and the whole Nexus angle with everything that with that was going on. He was so far ahead of all of us. Um, and again, he was putting that spotlight too because of his promos and, but just ever the, the stars were aligned for him to me. I've always said, and I've seen his matches with all the top guys. He is a fucking superstar. He is a main event superstar. And I countless times I saw the ball dropped on him and him, he would get over and then they would just pull the rug right from under. And it's crazy how he left and in no joke, Conrad, I was still up in the air about. Uh, my decisions on what was going on. The pain was creeping in. I was, the drugs were covering a lot of that up when I was there, the Toradon cortisone, but I was getting, it started when I saw that he was going to leave. That was the first, and we read a lot of the same books and I had some different business things. We bounced off each other. I go, you know what? I think I need to leave too. And that was kind of, after he left, I left shortly thereafter that. And it was, it just kind of, it was an easy decision, but we've been talking and I go, well, fuck, we've both been gone for a few years and we have the Nexus connection. We were arguably the two big guys in the Nexus there early on before I got injured with the way everything. And we go, maybe there's more value if we come back together. And I go, you know what? I, I don't know, Stu, but the fact that we're having these discussions aren't bad. I said, I, I go to keep our options open. And I think we will have options if we both like for me that I need a few things to happen and, and whatnot just to to be able to commit to that at the level that I want to. But it's an interesting time in wrestling, whereas I could tell you if AEW didn't exist, I don't know if me and Stu are even having those conversations right now with everything the way that WWE is and the way that we know that WWE is. I'm hoping that with AEW, their business model, they will allow guys to become 
big time names there and push guys accordingly if they if if it if it is warranted and enforce WWE to go back to their old business model of creating megastars. If that happens, I'm more excited than ever. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, WrestleMania just as a brand sells tickets. Yeah, and I think that's what they want. You know. Whenever they're promoting TV shows, you know, uh, or tapings in your town or live events, they're saying Raw's coming or WWE SmackDown, WWE Raw. And yep. They borrowed a lot of that from the UFC model. You know, yes, the UFC has pushed individual stars, but they would always push UFC first. So it would be like UFC 248 and then two names. Whereas with boxing, it was always, you know, Mayweather, De La Hoya or whatever. It was just the names. And that model... You know, obviously it's great for the company, not as great for the talent, uh, but it, it, I mean, it, it is what it is. And I think the UFC has has adopted that model, moved away from boxing, and WWE is certainly doing that. Yep. And 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 WrestleMania has become the thing, and it doesn't matter who's in who's on last at WrestleMania. The tickets are still going to sell because it's WrestleMania. What do you do? You think with AEW? Do you think they adopt? What do you think? What kind of business model do you think they're going to run with that with them over there? As time goes on, or do you think it's just too early to tell with all this? I think they're they're going to be comfortable pushing the talent. You know, this is Vince has not. You know, while Vince has owned sports leagues, he never necessarily made any sports stars. Yeah, and yeah. the Khan family wrestling isn't their only business. This is one of their many businesses, and and two of their other businesses uh, that are very prominent that people talk about a lot are their sports franchises, and in both cases. The, they have really big name superstar talent, and and they have to make that talent happy. And they draft them big, and they pay them big, and that's the way they sell tickets and jerseys. And I just think it is a slightly different dynamic, just based on the way you know they run their other businesses. So I, I think the cons are comfortable with you know pushing Jericho and Moxley and Omega and the Bucks yeah. and, and all those guys as as big stars because they realize it's good for their business. And frankly. And not to be weird, where else are those guys going to go? WWE's not going to pay them as much money or more money. And if they did, it would be at a price of their creative freedom. So Tony's allowing them to sort of be themselves and really do more of what they want to do. And it's more of a, hey, guys, what about this type approach as opposed to you're being dictated to, not by the big boss, but by you know a, a, a new writer who just handed you a revision 10 minutes before you go on the air. It's a different dynamic. Absolutely. And I think you bring up a good point, but having the, the, in me coming from sports playing athletics my whole life and in that WWE model, it is a very difficult thing. And I know with Moxley and he, everyone experiences it at different levels, depending on where you're used at, but it goes on at every level there from top to bottom, but being told, and again, in, in football, if you go out there and you're the starting halfback and, and you score five touchdowns, you, you score five touchdowns. You go. You go balls to the wall. If you're if you're playing and you're fucking delivering, you keep getting fed the ball. And then like kind of that WWE business model is, we want you to score a touchdown, but don't score more than two. And where you got to like kind of work within their systems and people that are creative and have different things. And it's a very difficult thing to adhere to. 
when you're a creative individual and a, a lot of pro wrestlers are Moxley is a very creative individual. There's nothing worse than that. And I, and I went through that at different levels where it's the most defeating thing and you're sitting outside Vince's office. I will never forget Conrad. This was one of the final things that I just said, I can't fucking deal with this anymore. It was during contract negotiations. I already dropped the title to Kevin Owens because I didn't sign the contract. And then we had our follow-up pay-per-view. We were at the last TV before it. It was, we had a segment and it was like a promo thing, I think early in the night. And it was like very flat. There wasn't a lot going on. I had to fight. It took all day sitting outside Vince's office numerous times to get Vince to approve me coming out pissed off. I think after KO's match or something that happened in booting him and power bombing him just to give the fucking a little bit of, to give me a little bit of steam going into the final pay-per-view that I, I, I possibly might get my title back because we had nothing going really up to that. That was that made anyone want interested in watching that rematch. But I just remember right then and there, and it, it got a great reaction and it was, it was a good little thing. But I just remember thinking like, fuck, this took my whole day over this shit just to go get this, which I knew it wasn't going to, it wasn't paying off, but it was to get a little steam going into the match. And it just kind of, it's, it's like pulling teeth and it was just so not enjoyable on so many different levels. And I just, it's kind of like, it's just not worth it. But hearing that and with AEW, this sounds like that is a, would be a pleasure to be in that environment because up until WWE and, and de developmental, all great memories and being in there, your ideas would pay off and talking to Dusty your things and they would allow you to try things to attempt to get over. And if you got over, you were rewarded. Whereas in that WWE business model, that's not the case time and time again. And we see it. So like to me, it's good to hear that, that that is possibly going on or going on over there because I, that to me makes pro wrestling for wrestlers very that'd be the number one place I'd want to go to if that's the way the, the business is being operated because it will allow you to maximize your creative juices. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that that's really, I mean, on some level, you know, once you've sort of achieved your financial goals and you have a little bit of financial freedom and you're out of the rigmarole, of, yeah. oh, I've got car payment, then, then it becomes a little easier to say, hey, what do you want to do? And that becomes something you can't really put a price tag on, especially when you're having to make so much personal sacrifice with being on the road and putting your body through all this. Yeah. If it's something you enjoy, it's worthwhile. But you know, you don't want to be. Nobody wants to be a miserable millionaire. Uh, but so oh. once you're okay and you're and you're good to go, it becomes, hey, what do I want to do? And I think more and more guys are going to want to be in the in an AEW style sort of creative, free thinking environment as opposed to the very regimented. And I don't think that's necessarily WWE's fault. Their business is so big, yeah, and it's in, it's it's global now. It's not just in Stanford. You know, they're doing business in every time zone around the world, and there's something happening 24/7 there. So they have to have all of those systems in place. And and I understand why that's required and necessary. And it's hard to argue with their financial success. Yeah, but the opportunity to have an option to not be dictated to is super attractive. I agree with you completely on that. And I've too, my whole thing too with them is, is again, though, they got really good at figuring out how to make a lot of money off the brand, the talent, and not necessarily rewarding the talent where now I, I'm at least in hearing the numbers. It seems that the pay has gone up, which I would still argue is very, very undervalued still for the, a lot of the guys there for what they actually, what their brands are bringing in and what the company is bringing in. They're making more money than ever on everything. I, 
personally with Vince wish he would do a better job at, at taking care of the guys that have taken care of their family over all the years and whatnot. But again, that's just, I, I'm very outspoken on that because I've dealt with the different health things from them that, that and seeing a lot of the old timers too, when they're gone and they're struggling, it is one of those things that is that personally bothers me that I, I feel when you have a business, you have a responsibility to do good. And that's just my opinion on that. And I try to adhere to that and with me, but it's their company. And again, if, if you're there and you sign those papers, then that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I've never had any sort of experience like that with them at all. And, and I only know, you know, my friend's experience. And, and right now, you know, my friend Bruce Pritchard is, is having a blast, and but he's working crazy hours and long hours. And, but, you know, in the end, he's, he's decided that the juice is worth the squeeze. So good for him and his family. And absolutely I hope that everybody is uh, having the same type of experience that he is. Now I've always liked Bruce too. And I think, I think it's a good thing that he's back and everything with the, with the way things went with his and during his time there. And being there early on. So I think he is uh, one of those guys that it's good. I think that's a good pickup having him back in the system. Yeah. He's having fun with it and his life's a lot easier now that he's, you know, moved to Connecticut and his, you know, his experience is a little different. I mean, as you know, as somebody who was a part of that grind, the wrestling part's the fun part, the the part, the part that wears you down is the travel. And and he's one of the lucky few who I think gets to be on the jet with Vince. So that means he's, uh, you know, out of his own bed, very few nights a month. And it's that airport travel and that that hassle that that really wears everybody down. And if he can sort of get a life hack for that, man, good for him. Yeah, no, that's definitely the travel is. And like I've said, I have no interest in ever going back full time now that making money without wrestling. That was one of my reasons. And I wanted to do this while I was there. And unfortunately, I couldn't I couldn't keep going on and I had to do it away from there. I ideally wanted to do it there, then eventually leave. But that full-time schedule, whether even whether you're wrestling or not, but just being on the road four or five days a week, I tell people, again, you have to do things to, to get financial freedom, and we all have to work for other people. And But once you can kind of get out of that or give yourself some options, which is what I had to do, and start over and, and do the business stuff, and it took, it took two and a half years to get it to really start fucking going to, to the point where I could support myself off it comfortably – but once you have that option, it gives you so much more freedom to make better decisions. Whereas if you, for me anyways, I just don't see ever going back five days a week after doing it for five years. It was cause it's, it is uh, in and out of those airports. Just that alone is, is very difficult. So, but I don't know that you ever talked about this, but I was at your last match there in Chicago. I was in Chicago, May 1st, 2016. It was payback. It was my, uh, my daughter's birthday wish to go to the show. So I snagged some great seats. And because, uh, I'm a friend of the fam, I got to, uh, go backstage and hang with Charlotte beforehand and all that. And I saw you come through the line and catering and you had on a white belt that said pre-show stopper. Yes. And I'll never forget thinking, God damn, I hope he wears that on TV. That's the fucking greatest thing ever. And then you did and Kalisto beat you. And I think that was your last match with the company. And I just, I'll never forget thinking, how did this get sideways from just a few years prior? You're in the main event on pay-per-views that are popping a number back in the pay-per-view era. And now fast forward and uh, it's no longer workable. And by the way, congrats to you for being able to uh, find new life after wrestling in a way where you can sustain a living because so many others don't ever figure that out and forget the wrestling aspect of it to have a business that is profitable 
uh, inside of the first five years is something a lot of business owners never figure out. I mean, yeah. most new businesses fail, and to be within not just profit, but you can sustain a lifestyle for yourself inside of a couple of years is just really remarkable. Thank you very much for that. There's, I will, uh, I will tell you my motivations for this one, and this is very personal. I, I love WWE. I, I, and I, I'm very. I've told people hurt over a lot of things, and I sacrificed a lot for them in giving up a lawsuit with the malpractice, and them threatening me with Jane Geddes calling me that essentially my job as I was getting put into the main event if I didn't drop the lawsuit, which was not in, WWE was not included in, but they were afraid that they were going to get bad publicity with it. It was an open and shut case, multi million dollar lawsuit, which I still have permanent nerve damage in my ankle. And I did that, and then them losing seven consecutive pay-per-views the moment my statute of limitations ran out deeply hurt me that I put my faith in this company that I knew. I was like, if I just fucking can go out there and bust my ass and kill them, I'm okay earning my money. And I told them that, that I will drop this lawsuit, just let me earn my money, and then getting fucked with after that. It's very personal to me. And the supplements, and I've talked about it on here, Vince failed with IcoPro. And I that's one of the things... And I, I get up, like I said, 5 a.m. every fucking morning, and it's hours of social media work. And, and it was a lot of early on, there were some good days and there were some fucking shitty bad days to getting this thing and, and trying to overcome this meathead-looking pro wrestler getting into the supplement field. And I'm very passionate about that And from a young age. But I would be lying to you if I said that Vince McMahon, though, that is, it is motivation for me. I would rather die than fail at this with everything because... To me, it's so personal on so many levels with everything there and Hunter not letting me do the Flex Magazine cover. And then when they wanted me multiple times and having discussions with their top people for that, one of my goals that I've wanted since I was younger, them flat out not letting me do it. Like little things like that just sit in the back of my mind and I've had to use it. I have my own goals, my own personal things, why I have to do this. But I would be lying if I didn't say that stuff doesn't motivate me every single day that on some of the tough days, especially early on with all this and seeing a lot of other in this in this industry, it motivated me, though. And I was like, I have to fucking make this work because I left. I said, fuck you. I'm going to make this work because I want there would be nothing better to me than standing in that fucking ring with my Feed Me More Nutrition logo on the fucking canvas. I think about it all the time. That to me is the ultimate win in, in, in a very key position that. To me, I, I would rather die than not go for that because it's very personal to me on that level. But you brought up the the Kalisto match with that and that pre-show stopper belt. They were furious over all of that, and it bothers me <laughs> because me and Kalisto, that, so the whole thing with that, and I've talked about it, which some people think I was lying and bullshitting, was me and Vince had a handshake agreement over a certain uh, financial number for to re-sign. And, but they they, we had, they wanted all my trademarks that I'd filed, filed for the feed me more and the big guy. And I had issues with them trademarking Ryback because I had that before I was there, which I had to go legally change my name. And I'm dealing with that with them now with like, so JR, like his comments to not trust, they're making me pay essentially $60,000 to cancel. They refiled for the Ryback trademark just a few months ago. I now have to pay all this money and it'll be over the, it'll be dragged out from anywhere from 12 to 18 months to cancel their Ryback trademark that they refiled for, they won't let it go. And so they constantly poke and prod, and it's just little things like that that fucking light a fire under my ass 
because like it's very to me it means the world I created that when I had nothing and whatnot. I was like I'm not just giving it to them. There's no amount of money that I would give that to them for. I because how much it means to me from where I was in my life where I created that having nothing and having a drinking problem in Louisville, Kentucky. Like I just that stuff meaning. Like that kind of stuff has significant meaning to me where financially I just don't give a fuck. Like I, and it's just principle alone on that. But the Callisto stuff with that, they, uh, we had no, I didn't sign that contract yet and they wanted the trademarks and then there were other issues going on where I just put, I had my attorney put a bunch of ridiculous shit in there cause I knew I was leaving. So then they really, and it went from Vince handshake agreement and supposedly having a world heavyweight championship run and turning heel and going to the trunks, which was, if you watch the on TV, how I was being booked and beating guys quick, everything was lining up to getting a push again. And then the Kalisto, when I didn't sign the contract, the thing got changed to a match with Kalisto from, I don't know if I was going to have somebody else at that point, if it was going to start after, but it was then Kalisto for the U S title didn't sign the contract. The match got taken off the WrestleMania card and put on the pre-show Finished, then switched to putting Kalisto over the day before or two days before, which I think Arn was the producer for that, if I'm not mistaken. We go out, fucking do business, which I would argue JR's bad attitude. If I had a bad attitude, never once did I ever argue a finish. And I put people over and when I had momentum time and time again, all the way up to the day, the day that I left, never argued, never, never once said, you know what? Fuck this. Went out there and gave those matches everything I had within the time constraints that we had every single time and that that WrestleMania match happened. And then we had one more match that next pay-per-view and we had very little TV buildup because they were keeping me off TV by the, with the contract. Cause they, they didn't know what the, they were. It's almost like they try to scare you like sign this or we could, you know, we're not going to use you. I already knew I was leaving. So that match had no build going into Chicago. I go, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to fucking mock CM Punk. I'm going to get as much heat as I can so that Kalisto will get a fucking as big of a pop possible when he beats me. That's my whole mindset going into it. I'm not, it's not, oh, I'm, fuck this guy, putting this guy over. Never once does that cross my mind. And we went out there, we had a blast, but they started in right away when I started doing the punk stuff and getting heat. Why would you do that? It's only going to make that baby face that much more over when he beats me, which I argue anybody to go back and watch that whole night for the, when he fucking beat me, the fucking pop that he got, I will argue was, it was as good as anything all night or up there, especially for being on the pre-show. And, but they were furious telling me to take that belt off. And I, I told, uh, I think it was done told cone, John cone who I'm friends with. I love John cone. And, uh, he said, he said, they were saying, they said, take off the weight belt. And I just said, tell them, I said to go fuck themselves. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. We did the match. I, uh, went and got ready. I left me and, uh, Dolph Ziggler got Hooters on the road somewhere. That was a regular routine. And, uh, the next day I got to St. Louis and there was a battle Royal that I, I sat in my car for a long time. I was debating. I, I was in so much pain and I was just like, there's nothing left to do here. There's, I'm not signing the contract. They had already told me they were going to start fucking with me from Carano that they were going to pull me off TV, job me out or job me out, pull me off TV and then fire me was the exact words from Carano. And the, the show was put on the wall and it was a U.S. title number one contender battle Royal. And right then they had on it that they wanted me 
to get eliminated, me and Apollo Crews for Titus O'Neil to dump us both out right away. And I knew right then and there, because eventually what they were going to do is then put me with Titus, who they have no respect for. They don't give a fuck about Titus O'Neil. They, and I've heard it from Vince himself on numerous occasions on the headset. I know how they feel about Titus O'Neil, no matter what the fuck they say public, publicly and creatively how they book him, that I go, this is not something I have any intention of sticking around for. And it made it, and I told Carano, I went in there. He was in there with Ric Flair, actually. Rick was sitting in there in talent relations with Mark. And I said, tell Vince and Hunter, tell, take me off this fucking shitty TV show. I'm going home. I said, and I went and got my bags. Carano came back and he said, uh, do you want to talk? to Vince and he informed them. And I said, I never want to talk to him again. And I just got my stuff and I left and, uh, and that was it. And we've had no discussions outside of a couple with Carano outside of that. And that was it. And it was, and again, I was really angry. There was a lot there. And like I said, it was very personal, but it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's the last way I never wanted to leave like that, but knowing the alternative, I wasn't time. And I've seen it time and time again, what they do with guys. I felt it was best to get out of there with the value that I had still, fighting for the U S title and just leave did business. I put the talent out on my way out. I wish he would have had more of a push. I thought they really could have done something special with him doing, but it's uh, it is what it is. And, you know, try to take a negative and turn into a positive with this other stuff that I'm doing. That's all I could do. Well, I, I wish that you didn't have life because the, it, it does seem like a negative way to go out. And I wish that you could, you know, try to find a way to be cool with those guys, but I understand, you know, all that's happened and, I just hope for you one day there's a little closure and you guys can have a conversation. And I guess, you know, the only thing that uh, I hate in our conversation today is when you said that you wanted to make this successful, sort of to stick it up Vincent Hunter's ass, you know, with Feed Me Nutrition or Feed Me More Nutrition. You should want to be, and I know you do, but you should want to be successful for you, not to yeah. prove anybody else wrong. Or That, to me, is still a little bit of negative energy. It is negative, I, yeah. I still think that exists because you don't have some sort of closure and Man, the, the best revenge is, is living well and being successful, and you are, and I hope that uh, one day you get that closure, because I don't think you're ever really going to be happy until you do. No, I would I would agree with you, and that is, and I've talked about that. I, I'm just, I'm honest, though, too, and I would be lying if I said that, that that wasn't motivating me, but it's not, that's not the reason why I started all this. This is, I'm very passionate about the supplement industry, and there's a lot of corruption in the industry. That is my main motivation, but there's that from the way that everything worked out and the different situations and circumstances, I would be lying to say that that doesn't light a fire under my ass because I, I envision that to me, that's a win though. And again, it would be a win to do it in a good way with a working relationship and fuck this came full circle. We turned all these negative negatives into positives. Everybody fucking wins. That's the way ultimately it would be the, the best way for it to happen. Tom Hill's all wounds, yeah. man. Who would have predicted just a few years ago, just a year ago, that Bruce Richard would be back there and doing what he's doing? You know, I'm just hopeful that you get that same opportunity one day, just so you can feel a little bit of closure. No, I, I agree. I know, you know I've been told, and I, I've talked to certain people there, and I've been told that I have a meeting whenever I want, if I want it, but I have to make sure that I, again, I'm health wise, and I've just got back in the gym and about a month ago and in getting my conditioning and busting my ass. And I started all my stuff on Ryback TV, got a YouTube about four months ago that, uh, and got that rolling, which is finally started to, to do pretty decent and get my real personality out there a little more through different various things. And that, uh, I I'm hoping early 2020 that, like I said, the back is not an issue anymore, which that was, 
nobody will ever understand that alone, and I don't expect anyone to, but overcoming that was um, extremely difficult, but we did it, and I'm blessed to be able to, the bioaccelerator company that took me down to Columbia, and the, the doctor here in Vegas that did the first 11 procedures, took about three fucking years of being positive and just grinding every day and having to eat a little bit of shit and just... I got through it and now the, the light is at the end of the tunnel and do a few more months of strong rehab here and put myself in a good position to hopefully have some options. And ultimately, I, I do agree with you. I would I would hope there is closure on a positive note on that because it's all negative. There's To me, again, it's negative, the whole thing. The whole story is negative. And there's nothing really, the only way to fix it is a, a positive ending one way or another, which hopefully in time does happen. But again, a lot of that's out of my control. And it's, I, I have those, I'm very stubborn in a way on things too, but cause it's very personal to me on things and for things I've done for them where I felt like they stabbed me in the back. But like you said, time heals all wounds and hopefully there is a positive ending down the road. Well, it's that old cliche. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. And you know, as long as you know, your new situation lines up with your long time, uh, your long-term goals, I'm looking forward to what that looks like for you, man. Thank you very much. And I am too. I, I think it's going to be good, but I know you have a, a busy day, Conrad. I don't want to, you've already stayed for over an hour. I'm greatly appreciative of your time, but everybody I have on here, and I always ask, and, and you've been through a lot and I, you've highly successful human being and, and you've done a lot of great things in the wrestling business here in a very short period of time that if one piece of advice to the listeners for the one thing that's helped you the most in your life, what would that be? Well, before I make any major decision, I ask myself two questions. One, what's the worst thing that could happen if I did this? And two, once you know what that is and you've identified it, two, if it happened, could I live with it? And if the answer is yes, then you should do it. You know, I, I think the old cliche of when you get older, you'll regret the things you didn't do more than the things you did do is probably true. Uh, because I've met a lot of people in their advanced ages who are filled with shoulda, woulda, couldas. Yeah. And so now I'm just willing to try stuff, which is how I talk myself into five podcasts and StarCast and a mortgage company and everything in between. So shoulda, woulda, couldas are a thing of the past now. I ask myself, hey, what's the worst thing that could happen if I do this? And number two, uh, if I if I did that, uh, I mean, if that happened, could I live with it? And and that's, that's how my decision-making has gotten me where I am, and uh, I hope that somebody uses that to their use in the future. I love it. You're the man, Conrad. And you are Conrad Thompson on Instagram, correct? I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad yes. Thompson on Instagram. At Hey Hey, it's Conrad on um, social media, well, Twitter. And uh, I'd love for everybody to come to Baltimore and check out AEW's full gear. But most importantly, come to StarCast 4. Uh, there's something for everybody. I can't believe it, but I got the Jim Crockett from Jim Crockett Promotions. I got the great Muda. I got Sting in the red, white, and blue for the first time in decades. So if you're an old school fan, man, it's right up your alley. But if you like John Moxley and the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and everybody in AEW, we got them too at StarCast.com. Coming up next month, November 7th through the 10th. Good deal. Well, Conrad, thank you very much. It was great having you on. Thanks, man. Guys, we'll be right back after these messages. What's going on, guys? It's the big guy, Ryback, and I want to tell you guys about this exciting new company I'm working with. Recently, I've been dealing with pain in both my back and shoulder, as you know, and other areas of the body. 
Recently, I've been doing the stem cell therapy here in the United States, but I decided I wanted to take my recovery up a notch. And that's when I came across a stem cell facility located in Medellin, Colombia, called BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the global leader in stem cell therapy. They offer a state-of-the-art medical facility with the ability to treat patients with tens of millions of active adult stem cells to help them recover from injury and major medical complications. BioAccelerator currently offers treatments for a variety of conditions ranging from orthopedic injury, spine and disc injury, chronic pain, ED, and even severe autoimmune disease. BioAccelerator also has something for you men and women out there who are looking to stay in the game and keep yourself looking young and feeling youthful. Ask about their anti-aging and rejuvenation treatments as well. I will be tracking my progress as I go through the treatment, as you guys have seen with BioAccelerator, and giving you, the audience, updates as I heal and overcome these injuries on my journey back to the ring. If you or someone you know suffers from a life of pain or complications due to a major medical condition, join the likes of UFC Hall of Famer Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell, WWE stars like Kevin Nash, Rey Mysterio, and myself. You can contact BioAccelerator directly, guys. As for my personal friend, David Truitt, he's the one who has reached out to me and helped me from the very beginning. He will help you through the consultation process with the same level of care and expertise as he did for me. Start your path to wellness and become a BioX man or BioX woman today at www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback dash Reeves. That's BioAccelerator. B-I-O-X-C-E-L-L-E-R-A-T-O-R www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback dash Reeves. You've heard us talk about Real Good Foods before on the podcast and just how much I love their Real Good pizzas and enchiladas. Now Real Good Foods also has their new poppers, which are a super low-carb cross between a chicken nugget and a jalapeno popper. All of their foods are low-carb, grain-free, gluten-free, and keto-friendly. Most items have as low as 3 to 4 grams of carbs per serving. From their chicken crust pizza, enchiladas, cauliflower crust pizzas, snack bite pizzas, and poppers, you can't go wrong with anything from Real Good Foods. All items are available at realgoodfoods.com, on Amazon, and in retail locations all over the country, with a store locator on their website. Save 10% with discount code RYBACK off of realgoodfoods.com. Real Good Foods. Feed me more. We are back, and I'm joined by Raj Geary with Wrestling Inc. with the Wrestling Report. Raj, how's your week going? Uh, I was telling you earlier, it, it so much happens on those first like four days that uh, I'm off by a day every day. So by, by Thursday, I feel like it's Friday, but, uh, it's been good. It's, uh, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. If, if you're, if you like a ton of wrestling, I told you I got home Wednesday and I got done. I had do, I was doing my stuff and I had to go walk the dogs real quick. And I came in, I checked the time and it was like seven forty-five, seven fifty. And I was legitimately excited. I go, wow, wow, AEW's coming on. I'm going to, it was uh, where Wednesday night is now the night I'm looking forward to the most, I feel like, because it's new. And I, I'm really curious to see the, the presentation. So, yeah. And then Friday is confusing to me because I'm not used, I just don't feel like Friday is a wrestling night personally. So, yeah. it's tough. That's a tough sell for me. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, 
yeah, the Friday nights, and that's that's hurting WWE too. You know, for everything that they're getting on being on Fox, their their audience is way down in just a few weeks, and and we'll, and we'll get to that. But uh, start off with some bad news. Uh, Xavier Woods of the New Day was at a, a live event last Sunday in Sydney, Australia, and suffered an Achilles tendon injury. And so the recovery time on that, uh, I you know, can be anywhere from nine months to a year. It's believed to be pretty serious. So yeah, pretty bad, pretty bad for for them. Absolutely, and we've seen it. I remember Edge when he had he ruptured his Achilles back, and I was down at Florida Championship Wrestling, and I remember he came down and actually did an appearance at a live event that wasn't too far from his house on one of our our live events, and um, he had been out I think a year or over a year, and it was like a gradual process, and he still like it was. I remember when he was getting ready to come back. I mean, because that's such a tender area it's a very sensitive area and they just go when they go on people and that's a tough injury but you know they've been going hard xavier's been up there now for quite some time and they were the new day you know even though they've been the the three-man deal those guys have all put in a lot of work the last probably five six years if not longer i mean he's been working i remember him doing a rehab down with me when i was coming back from my uh, ankle injury that's when I first actually met him was at the rehab facility and uh, I remember he was on the one of the leg presses watching wrestling and he loves he loves pro wrestling and that's one of those things that when you're redlining and going hard you know the body will just go and now he gets a much needed vacation probably I would say even though it's unfortunate timing there's never a good time with any of it but hopefully a speedy recovery and, and you know he has his, his YouTube channel he'll he'll be busier than ever with all this but at least He'll probably get a little downtime from the traveling and and be, to be able to just kind of relax and take it all in because that's about the only time you get to when you're up there. Yeah, and uh, something Matt Morgan has been saying for years on our podcast on Wrestling Inc. has been they need that New Day's gotten a little stale, and this is probably a good opportunity to turn Biggie heel. You know, turn him on Kofi Kingston, and you know, give Biggie a little bit of a singles push. Yeah, I would agree with you on that, and with Matt on that, that it's. They've been together now. They, they've had a hell of a run, and there's only so much you could do in that in that current system with how they're being booked and that in mm-hmm. the PG friendly environment and whatnot. Unless you turned them back heel again, but with Woods going down, I think this is a. And Kofi's had his run. I think this is a good time to maybe put the spotlight on Big E for a bit and let's see what Big E delivers on his own. You know, they brought him up and they gave him. I think the IC title there briefly or, or for a bit there when he first came up when he was doing kind of the weightlifting thing and then they put him with Dolph or he was with Dolph and I can't I think he was doing the weightlifting thing on live events or darks and then they put him with Dolph there pretty early on on his debut yeah. and whatnot if I'm not mistaken but I'd been watching him do the weightlifting thing kind of with the powder coming out and he, he's a big impressive guy I think it would be there's easily uh, there's the, the turning him there's a story with him and Kofi and letting that run and then seeing where you can go from there with him. Yeah. And uh, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be a, a nice change of pace. Uh, CM Punk was in, is in a horror movie called girl on the third floor. It just came out. Uh, he's been doing tons of media and he's been getting asked tons of wrestling questions. As you could imagine, he's been saying, you know, he had recently tried out for that Fox WWE backstage show, which is produced by Fox. So it's Fox that does all the hiring and uh, makes all the decisions for it. I can't imagine that WWE doesn't have any input, but uh, CM Punk was one of the people that tried out for the show. The word was, 
was that he did well, but he has been saying in media interviews that he has not heard back regarding the tryout. And that show debuts, I believe, the week after. I believe it's next week. So uh, the first week of November. So if he was getting the gig, I think he would have heard back from now. Yeah, no, that I don't. I'm sure WWE does. Uh, obviously, the, the it would be absurd to think that they don't have any input as far as they're, they're communicating with Fox on so many different things that, that you know, if they say, let's maybe pass on this right now, that that if Fox knows WWE doesn't want it, why are they going to st- put a strain on the relationship this early on between the, I just don't see that happening. So I'm sure in WWE is smart enough and Hunter and Vince that and, and punk is smart that going that route, that if he goes that route, that's only going to make people chant for him more because he's now back in that system somehow, even though he's not directly back that. And I think that was a smart play by him actually in whatnot. And if it does work out or had it worked out, would have been kind of a brilliant move as far as getting them to approach him on doing something rather than him approaching them. If that's what he ultimately wants, which I don't know, but I would think that they would have reached back already by now. And and the fact that they have, and I'm sure WWE probably had some input on that. Yeah. And punk has also been asked about a possible return to pro wrestling. He's made it clear that he's interested. He says it's probably not going to happen, but uh, he also seemed to suggest that he'd like to probably return to wrestling as a as an agent or a, you know as a producer. I, I it just seems like uh, I, I don't know I can't see WWE with all the package that Punk has from the way he left and and the, the words that were exchanged bring him back in a backstage role. But crazier things have happened. Absolutely. Do you see it happening? So that's the thing, and I think I, and I saw Hunter had an interview there when he was making the rounds with uh, Tyson Fury and. Right. Uh, the Ariel Hawani show, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, if I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, the MMA show yep. with uh, Ariel Hawani. Yep. And he uh, had said, you know, with Vincent, you know, the past is the past and never say never. And I've said that. But that's why I said you could go out and speak your truth. And at the end of the day, you've seen the people they brought back. The ultimate warrior has come back. <laughs> like, it's, it's multiple times. It's not. Yeah. And, I mean, that was, I think, the... The extreme, and, and, and I mean, we've seen uh, Brett, uh, Brett Hart punch Vince in the face. Yeah, <laughs> Brett is physically assaulted Vince McMahon. <laughs> it, 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 I've just simply said "fuck you," and, and punk, it's not. That's I mean, like it's like a hug compared. So it's uh, and, and Brett has been back multiple times, and Brett continues. I love Brett was one of my childhood favorites, and I love Brett because Brett is just always. He he stays true to himself and what he believes and whether we agree with him or we don't. And, but he'll go do stuff for them or he always takes jabs at Hunter and then then he goes and he's right back. And like, so that's why I was like, I think people that think that way, they just don't, they live in a fear mindset. They don't understand those. No, if you could, you can go back. And I think punk though, to go back and to see, I'm sure he misses pro wrestling and whatnot. And it's hard. And I can tell you from my personal experience and with my injuries and like distancing myself a bit from it while I'm doing everything and in getting myself back in shape to physically be able to, and I want to get back in the ring and start seeing what I can do. And, and that, but I know that as soon as I get put in that environment again, I know what, I know how my brain works and it's going to be like obsessed about it. And so I have to be very careful. And I think punk and he's gotten back in the ring and you get that, 
once you get back around it, it's uh, it, it's really easy to quickly fall back in love with it and, and whatnot. And there are the things that you do love about it. I think Punk still has a lot to offer pro wrestling if he wants. And uh, now whether that means in a producer role or it's it's tough to me if booking if if you're asking me and then from a creative standpoint and with Punk as great as it would be to bring him back as a babyface, I think with the MMA stuff. I think bringing him back as a heel and I think having a heater with him, I think is the only way. I think that is the best way to bring him back initially. Um, and, and again, you could bring him back in a baby face role to get the pop initially, but turning, having him turn really quickly, if he was going to come back on an on, on air presence as that kind of cowardly heel, I think that gets under people's skin. And I think that can draw money with how he, what happened with the MMA thing. And him, because I think Punk is a hell of a heel. I think he's a better heel than a babyface, yeah. frankly. I really do. And, and I think considering the real-life stuff that's happened, there's a lot of money to be made with him and, and whatnot. But again, older, been out of the game for a bit. That schedule. But if you can, this is, if that schedule, you just book him for TVs and, you know, or a live event and a TV every week and the pay-per-views, that, that, that's much more manageable. And I think putting somebody with him, to give him uh, just some more credibility from an on-air standpoint, I think that's I think that's money. But we'll yeah. see an agent role. That's not a you're back. You're on the road full time, typically doing that. You're right. living the life of a, of a wrestler and not wrestling, and uh, and it's a little more laid back because you don't have to the the strain of having to perform every night. But you're living on the road, and I don't know if that's something he would want to do at this stage of his life. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I agree with you 100 percent about the heel turn. I, I think people remember when CM Punk was WWE champion as a babyface. He, he was never the last match on the card. And then once he turned heel, he was super hot. The feud you guys had was, you know, fans were going crazy during those matches. So, um, yeah, he definitely he's like the Miz where Miz is a better heel. And I think a part of that, too, is based on the, the and I don't know what it is. It's. They play a better shitty heel than a baby face that like Miz is a baby face. I don't buy that. He's going to beat your ass, but Miz is a cowardly heel or like one of the kind of a piece of shit that sells to me. And I think punk is the same way. Not to say they both can do both. Well, I just think he's a better heel and more believable as a heel. And he can incite an audience. I think it was a promo with you, wasn't it? Where he was like in the crowd and elbowed some fan in the face. because they were Punched like, him, I believe. Or he elbowed him or something. Yeah, because the fan, I don't know if the fan threw something on him. It was the one with me and Vince and Cena in the ring. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that things got out of hand with that. And I know that they had to, I think that there was a, I don't know if the fan, there was a lawsuit involved with that. And it ended up getting dropped. And But I remember there was some stuff came about of that. Yeah. It, well, yeah. <laughs> he man, I'll tell you, they because they told me I was worried when I jumped into that, and because they threw me in that top babyface spot, and Arn Anderson, who's always been great with me, told me he goes because we started a European tours, and he goes and Arn goes, kid, I just want you to know, he goes, it takes at least a year or two to start getting over up here, and mentioned that I was getting really good reactions. He goes, but don't let it rock you if you start getting booed working punk, and I just thought I go. I'm not worried. I, I'm not worried at all. And then when we started doing all this, it was, and it's a testament to punk being a great heel. And I felt like I had a lot of momentum. Nobody was booing me during any of this. And I remember just thinking like, 
oh, none of that, what Arn said happened. But it had happened because Punk was so over that and he people would want to cheer him. But we never really dealt with that. And I just remember, I think that is a testament to how well he played the heel character, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're a few weeks in with the AEW Dynamite versus NXT Wednesday Night Wars, uh, SmackDown being on Fox. We're reaching the end of October here. SmackDown has uh, dropped greatly since the premiere. I mean, I think we all expected it to fall from that first week and, and drop some. But um, now it's down. This The last episode was down to 2.418 million viewers. So that's that's what Raw was doing a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it's close to what Raw did this past Monday night so the move to fox all that promotion on nfl and the bus tours and all that stuff and they weren't really able to bring in new fans so uh, down to 2.418 million viewers this this last episode it's on fs1 so it's going to get murdered so it doesn't really count and next week they're back on fox and then i think it'll probably take another week to get adjusted back to fox but vince mcmahon had said that this fox deal will be a big boon and change everything around it hasn't clearly uh they're not going to get a new audience just from fox promoting them and the stock has been dropping the stock is down 30 percent so far this year yeah what did what was SmackDown doing before they moved to Fox? Was like the, the kind of in the, the 2.1, 2.2 range? Yeah, 2.0 to 2.2. Every now and then they drop. They were dropping under two there for a little bit, yeah. and then they rebounded uh, this summer to to the 2.0, 2.2 on the on the higher end. It would be 2.2. And the the thought process too was going to Fox is because Fox has a much larger larger audience, correct? Yeah, plus they were paying a ton of money, you know, over 200, I believe it's like 240, 240 million a year. And heavily promoting it as well for the move. And we got, see, and that's what, and you've been pretty good. I've seen your predictions. You're pretty spot on with everything here every week. And they brought back the, the Rock and those guys and that rating. And I think, and then ever since, and I, I'm not shocked that it's going to go back. It seems to be going back to what it was there right before. And, I did, what did Raw do this week? Raw was at 2.3. Uh, let me double check. Um, it was up, but it helped that the Monday Night Football game was a blowout. Two point, yeah, 2.34 million viewers, uh, up 2.8% from last week. Last week started off bigger, but dropped a lot. It was against a, a big NFL game, so it dropped it dropped 20%. This week only dropped 12% from hour one to hour three. So um, it definitely benefited because the New England Patriots game that was on on Monday was it was 34 to nothing, 35 to nothing at the end. So Do you know with Fox, too, what is it? Is, does Fox have certain expectations that like they want this over a 3.0 or do you know anything as far as how that goes? What Fox is kind of what they were hoping for this to kind of balance out at? The, the word is that they wanted 3 million viewers a week is what they were hoping for. And a 1.0 rating in the 18 to 49 demo this past week was a 0.7 in the demo and, you know, clearly well below 3 million. It still won the night in the demo, but actually not by much. It did a 0.7, but uh, Hawaii five Oh and American housewife did a 0.6. So, yeah. uh, and it's down huge from last year, what the shows on Fox were doing last year. And th- there was a uh, last man standing that was on last year that was doing over over 4 million and doing the same uh, rating in the demo. And see the, the, the problem with this is, and, and Fox is, and they have every right to be unhappy, but this is, and it goes back to that, the building marquee names and not having where everybody's kind of interchangeable that no matter what you do storyline wise with all the current talent that you have, 
that you've not built any, it, you, it's like the Bray and the Fiend and missing out on certain things. And when you, and you've done this with everybody there now for the majority outside of a couple of the talent, like the shield guys have been pushed heavily from the beginning, but people have never fully, I don't know how to explain it. It was never, it's, it's not to say it's been done great. They've just been booked the most consistently, I think over, over that time, Roman and Seth being there and whatnot. But there's been so many natural guys that the crowd was behind that they have not capitalized on on different things. You know, it's like Elias, I told you, too. And Elias had momentum there for a bit, and the crowd was with him. And then it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And so it doesn't matter what you do storyline-wise almost because every, all these interchangeable parts have been brought down. They've printed too much money. They've They've where the value is just not the same as it was. So it's really, really hard to get these ratings consistently. And I think it's really interesting to see what Fox is going to think about all of this. If, if the numbers continue to go down and keep dipping down and what it's almost like, it doesn't matter what WWE does storyline wise at this point, as much as I, and, and I hope it's great because the, the talent and missing opportunities of allowing guys to become larger than life, I yeah. think is finally caught up to invite it's bitten them in the ass a bit on this. Yeah. And that's just my honest opinion on it. Yeah. And Fox still heavily pushing it. If you watch NFL on Fox, you'll see those ads all over the place. But yeah, if they start losing in that demo on Friday nights, I think uh, uh, there's going to have to be some changes at some point. Cause Do they this- have an out to FS one. I wonder if Fox cause Fox is not stupid that if they, I'm sure when they put this deal together with all this money, that if, if if WWE doesn't deliver on a certain rating for a certain period of time, if they have the option to move them to FS1, I, I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure that they do. I mean, networks always have some uh, some point where they could cancel a show. Whether you know, we've seen that with TNA in the past. Um, but I, I don't see it happening, especially since right now in the season, it, it is not doing near as well as what Fox was doing last year. Uh, it's down a lot, actually. But like during the summer when Fox is airing reruns, uh, SmackDown destroyed, you know, destroys Friday nights with what Fox normally would do uh, yeah. during the summer. So, uh, you know, just for that reason alone, I, I don't see that happening. But if it continues to fall, if it falls under two million viewers, I mean, it's it's much more beneficial for Fox to have it on FS1, which doesn't have the reach and, and help strengthen that station than on Fox itself. I was looking at the rosters as well on that draft, and you know, those rosters are not nearly as deep when they split that out. I was looking at it, I go, man, that the the, the raw I, I don't for whatever reason I thought there were more guys. I go, that I saw both the breakdown of the draft and it, it the rosters just don't look that deep to me for, yeah. for and how and the value of everybody of what's been how it's been booked. And it's and in a, an example of this, and I love Eric Rowan. They had Eric Rowan billed as one of the two or three top heels on the brand, and I just go, man, this is a guy who's been shitted on his entire career. Who now you are billing like it? People don't buy it, and it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. If you do do that, it takes years to rebuild that. Yeah, and so and that's what's going on right now over there, and it's just the way that it is. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you see guys like Bobby Root who could have been there if they were pushed properly from the beginning, but now they've been, you know, relegated down the card so far that it would it would take a long time to get people thinking, you know, seeing them in that top level role again. It's really that's a difficult sell. And you know, another example of this is Jinder Mahal, who was used right. so badly for so long, and then they tried to 
change that. And they did as far as booking him, but a lot of people didn't buy into it. And that, and then when he went back to being kind of in the role that he was in before, it was, it, it's, it's like, Oh, okay, he's back to where he was because, and it was, he'd been there for so long. It's really, it, it, it does damage, man. It makes it, and they know that how they book it too. They like that. It's like Braun when he was hot there. And, but you take enough, you get enough chinks in the armor, dinks in the armor. And then eventually when you do get a big moment, it's nowhere near as big as what it ever could have been. And, yeah. and it, it's a, it's a very real thing that goes on. Yeah. Um, stick it on the ratings. You mentioned my predictions <laughs> and uh, people who follow me on Twitter could see those, but, uh, uh, dynamite, uh, this past week scored 963,000 viewers dipping below a million. Uh, NXT was 698,000. That was, it was kind of what I predicted. Uh, it was in the range of what I predicted because they were both up against the World Series. The NBA started last week. So, I, you know, it was expected that they went down, but they actually didn't go down too much. Dynamite was down 5%, NXT down 2% from the prior week. Both have gone down every week uh, since they've started, but I do think next week will be the first week that we see the increases in viewership now that the World Series is over. The NBA kind of settles in. But, yeah, uh, Dynamite beating NXT by 38%. You know, which is quite a bit, and I think we're seeing that that's probably where it's going to stay. That that Dynamite just beats NXT most weeks, uh, unless NXT throws something big out. And in the demo, though, in that uh, 1849 demo, AEW once again really beating NXT by a lot. It was a 0.45 rating for AEW, a 0.21 for NXT, so it topped NXT by 144 percent. Wow. So yeah, yeah, it's it's we see where the numbers are settling. Uh, AEW around that million mark, and NXT it's looking like it's going to be around that seven hundred thousand mark. Yeah, I and I and I watched a good portion of that AEW show, and I enjoy I enjoy what they're doing and, and going as far as uh, how they're putting it together, and uh, and they're and they're trying. And like I love the stuff with with Jericho and with Cody, and it, I think it's just. There's some things that I obviously when you're watching and seeing and just for example, like and I don't like the Dark Order guys. I don't know how people like tuning by the channels if they see that, if they're going to. And it's just an example because I don't know anything about them. And when I see them, I don't really and I'm trying to give it a chance. And like, I, just, I don't get it. It's, yeah. And I think there's the visual aspect of it. There's a very real thing. Do you need to look like a superstar? It's a real, like one way or another, like it's and not saying everybody needs to be jacked and tanned and have muscles. I don't agree with that at all. You know, you know, but you look at Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe wor- works out, trains. He's, he's, he's a big man. Samoa Joe is not ripped by any means, but Samoa Joe has a presence about him be, and he conducts himself like a fighter, mm-hmm. which brings it, it. There's a believability to him. And, but when you see other guys, and I think it's very important for pro wrestlers need to treat it's 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 like it's spitting in the face of pro wrestling if you don't treat yourself like an athlete, a fighter, pro wrestler, and, and not saying you got to do powerlifting or bodybuilding, but training and to be a physical athlete because in a real fight, your physical presence and, and having conditioning and strength does matter. I think to me there's a large gap, and when you're watching AEW, and I see. Kenny Omega in the, who looks like a fucking superstar to me in the ring with the other guy. I, I don't, it, it's a major disconnect and I don't care how many moves that guy knows or how willing he is to throw himself off a building and break his neck. I don't care. 
And I think they got to fill in the gaps of those because I don't think those are the guys that they might be on the bottom portion. You need to fill it in all the way up. There's just some disconnects on things, but I love what they're doing overall. And they're trying and they're going to, they're going to, I think I'm more excited to watch on Wednesday nights for me as a pro wrestler and a fan to see, to see how the company continues to grow. And I appreciate everything they're doing. Absolutely. I, and I agree with you. I feel like the Jericho Cody stuff is the best thing in wrestling yep. right now today. And those angles, the way they're doing them, it's old school stuff, but yep. it's great. And, uh, yeah, and that's the, there's, there you go right there. And they talk about all this new age stuff and the best thing they're doing is old school. Right. There's a reason pro wrestling works. Just stick to the, stick to the guidelines. <laughs> yeah. And, and with that, I'd like to see more promo time from John Moxley and, you know, like in ring promo from him. Cause he's so good. And I feel like he's been losing a little steam. I agree. Yeah. I watched him. And you know, another thing, and this is just me. I really hope AEW from an entertainment standpoint, I think, and I think from a connection standpoint, theme music is one of the most important things in pro wrestling. And I feel like that's one area that they could improve upon as they go forward where mm-hmm. you need, like Jericho has his music and we know that is, but it, there's WWE so good at connecting with the music that I feel like when I'm watching this, I don't hear the music like I do when I watch a WWE production and not saying they have to be the same, but I would like to be able to music helps create the identity of the superstars. And yeah. I think that's one thing And watching Moxley now and I know he's just trying to do go get away from everything he did in WWE, but it's a different, it's different. And the music, I don't know, like it, when you heard his music in WWE, you knew exactly what you were getting. You knew who was coming out. Like, I don't feel that way watching AEW and, and, and Moxley redoing his look. And I agree. He's not doing a lot of promos and whatnot right now. And, and he's working, but, uh, getting over in pro wrestling is all of that, which he has the ability to do. So I, I would like to see more also on that. Yeah. And you know, Jim Johnson, who is the WWE WWF music guy forever created themes for undertaker, you know, ultimate warrior, all these legendary themes. He's, I mean, he's out there. I, he, I know he's from a different era. Maybe he's not the right guy to make music, but as a consultant or something help, you know, help get musicians to, you know, fit these guys as characters and, and sound more. Yeah. And I think w, in AEW, that's the other thing. You can't look at this. WWE's let with they've gotten so big, they've let a lot of people go that have gotten out of wrestling or that just got away that that because that was the only place that are so valuable to the pro wrestling world. And you know, you look at a guy like Tony Schiavone, like we said, who was out of the game and wasn't going to WWE. He was doing other things, but he was such a valuable pickup that in bringing in guys like Arn Anderson and, and Dean Malenko. And you, and you get a guy like Jim and have him and maybe working with some newer people, but all the things that made WWE great when they were fucking awesome, you mm-hmm. can use that to help build your company and get that infrastructure in place and really, really, you know, take advantage of the people that are out there. I, I agree. Jim, I think would be a huge, huge pickup for them and very valuable on the music end to give them insight because nobody knows about connecting with the audience better than Jim. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of which, AEW, we mentioned beating NXT. Uh, Seth Rollins, who's not shy at taking shots at AEW, uh, was asked at a recent uh, fan fest if uh, if he's interested in a match with Kenny Omega. 
And uh, Seth replied, when Kenny's done playing in the minor leagues over there, <laughs> he can come and work at the absolute uh, top professional wrestling company in the world in front of the most people and make the most money and have the biggest matches, which is me at WrestleMania. Yeah, which is uh, Kenny Omega is taking shots at NXT. So uh, not a big deal. But Jim Ross got pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, I'll, I'll just read his uh, I'll just read what he said. He said. It doesn't do any favors to our business. And he said that uh, he talked to two Hall of Fame guys who are embarrassed by Rollins' comments. He said that Rollins, uh, let me find that quote where he said, but uh, go ahead with your thoughts and I'll, I'll get the rest of this quote here in a second. Yeah, no, I saw that as well. And uh, where Jim, I think, mentioned Seth in saying that in the disappointment of that. And you could, Jim clearly took offense to it. That uh, and maybe one day he'll be as over as his girlfriend or something of that yeah. nature, correct? Yeah, let me uh, there's a lot here, so I'm not gonna read the whole, whole thing. But he said, Rollins he is in a great spot, he's blessed. Maybe someday he'll be as over as his girlfriend, I don't know. Uh, nonetheless, I've liked his work. Uh, he did say that uh, Shad Khan, the owner of AEW, is you know, is a lot richer than Vince McMahon. Uh, he said, Mr. Khan's got more money than Vince, but nonetheless, that's another story for another day. Um, yeah, JR just went off. Yeah, I just think that, it's, again, and I, so it, it's with Seth, how do you answer that? And he's in a, he's a baby face on TV and, and whatnot. Are there different ways to answer that? And I think I saw the clip of it at the, the little conference thing that he was at. And he could have said, you know, absolutely, it would be a dream matchup. You know, I wish them nothing but the best. And, you know, if, it, if, the, if the stars align, maybe one day it happens. Could have you gone that way? Is that a boring answer? Yeah. I, I think they've taken shots at different times when uh, you got two different companies. And, and Seth is not wrong as far as WWE is the biggest company. And he has been there busting his ass and, and doing everything as he's been told. He's received, and when you're in those positions, you receive so much criticism and hate. And that's one of the things that's like, it's almost best in if you're working there not to have social media or to be on it, your life would be a, a lot better because you get, he, he deals with probably as much bullshit as anybody from hearing backlash from the fans and on all sorts of things. So I think at times, and then you, you go to a, an interview or a conference and a fan asks a, a question that it just gets under your skin and you're agitated from the fucking thousands of comments that you're, seeing on social media and then you give a response that maybe you wouldn't give if you were in a little better mood and, but you give it and it's not really, it's not bad, but it rubs somebody the wrong way. And obviously it rubbed Jim the wrong way. And then Jim fires back and you know, it is what it is. And, and nobody's wrong in any of the situation. I think in, in what we've talked about with the AEW presentation, there's a few guys that look like big time superstars. And then there's a lot of guys that don't yet. Not to say that they can't be and they won't be in the future with more television time. But I think Seth is just speaking solely from right now on that. And uh, Jim, Jim loves pro wrestling. Jim is over there right now. And I've Jim has made a lot of comments about the product and what he would like to see as far as, and I know Jim's not a huge fan of a lot of the flip, the flips and, and some of the other stuff. And as I don't think a lot of casual, regular wrestling fans aren't either. It's, uh, it is what it is. I mean, it, it's in, in Seth. I've seen, and Seth actually, I thought had something worse happen to him this week was where he called Vince a weird old man. I saw <laughs> with a fan, which this, I, I actually sympathize, sympathize with him because the fan who recorded that is that so shitty that you're going and meeting a guy and supposedly you like him, 
for whatever reason in your recording without him knowing and then putting that up. Now, Seth has to be be accountable. If he wants to say that, that's fine. We all know he's not lying. It, it's, but it's it's like I I was more I was like ah that's a shitty thing to do from a fan standpoint to somebody you supposedly like. But he's uh, he's been in the news a bit with things, and uh, got to be careful <laughs> with everything, you know, because everyone's always looking for something. But and but I'm sure we all know Vince is a weird old man, and so <laughs> it, it's actually you're like well. Yeah, it's not so bad. He had Eric Bischoff make out with his wife and his daughter on TV. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's not. You're going to be hard pressed to find somebody that's going to go like, well. <laughs> but uh, Jim is. Um, I like Jim, and I think Jim Jim loves pro wrestling. I think Jim wants to everything to be as good as possible for pro wrestlers too. So yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, Seth Rollins, his full comment when he was asked why he doesn't wear his white gear and said, he said, Vince won't let me wear it because he's a weird, weird old man who doesn't get that people think it's the coolest gear they've ever seen. And Jim Ross, to your point, uh, he also made some comments about you recently. I know you have Conrad Thompson on this episode, um, kind of insinuating that you didn't, your WWE career didn't get to what he said, it, your full potential. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of insinuated that it was attitude, right place, right time. And uh, he said, along the way, you didn't do yourself any favors. Now, I know you've responded to this a little bit. Jim Ross wasn't there when you were uh, with the company. Um, now, what were your thoughts when you heard that? Disappointed because, and like, I like Jim a lot. And Jim, and he's clarified himself on Twitter that he just wanted the best and to see me, you know, fulfill my potential and realize my dreams. And I had Conrad on and we talked about it briefly. And, like, again, I like Jim and there's no beef. He just, he wasn't there for any of the run, any of it. And the important thing for me, I, and, and I was talking to Conrad, I go, if you're going to say somebody has a bad attitude or which he did, it was, it was, and again, he very complimentary too. And WWE dropped the ball and, and wrong place, wrong time or whatnot. And but he goes saying that not doing myself any favors and bad attitude and so I have to just simply, and we've talked about it, but in for everybody in the past is the past and it's all done and I'm grateful for everything. And it's all happened for my favor and benefit for the things that I've been able to do. And the, the first thing is the injuries. I don't think Jim understood and talking to Conrad, I don't think, and he kind of pointed that out that Jim even understands why I left to begin with outside of maybe what he read and with me with the, the back needing a five disc fusion and shoulder replacement. But Jim mentioned, like he goes there, that there wasn't a lot of trust and that he's correct on, uh, but he doesn't know why. And again, it all stems back to when I broke my ankle in the Nexus and had the multi-million dollar lawsuit against the doctor who botched the entire surgery, which I still pay. I'm paying thousands of dollars now doing new therapy, trying to get my nerves regenerated into my foot that I had the lawsuit against the doctor that did this in WWE and Jane Geddes called me and, and literally told me right when I, my main event feud with punk was getting started. I had no money at this point. I was struggling cause they were holding my money going. I was living. I couldn't put my, I didn't have, couldn't put a, a hotel rooms on my card yet. Cause I was still living week to week and just coming out of starting and being on the road five days a week that this multimillion dollar lawsuit that was open and shut that they forced me to drop or threaten my job with it essentially off the record, as Jane said, that I bent over backwards for them. I go, you know what? I go, absolutely. If that's what you guys want, I will work for my money. And I, everything was so good right then. I trusted them 
even after they had tried firing me after the ankle injury and having some things with Hunter, I chose to trust them and, and, and believe that I could trust them. And that as soon as the statute of limitations ran up shortly thereafter, that's when all the games started and losing the seven pay-per-views while I was in that top position. And again, Jim talks about a bad attitude. I had nothing in different talent telling me you're too positive. You need to get fixed this. You're too positive. I always would say, and I'll be able to overcome this. I'll be able to overcome this because I thought ultimately it was going to pay off. And I did nothing but put talent over at various points in my career when arguably you would say that that should have been for me from a, a large portion of the audience. Never once did I bitch. Never once did I go try to get the, the finish changed. And again, a lot of this comes down to two, me trusting them and giving away that lawsuit money and then needing the money because I had no money. So, and I, they took away my position of power with that. And throughout my career, doing business time and time again, all the way up until, you know, the shield working with them when I was a heel, I can't tell you Raj, how many times when the shield was really, really getting pushed and it's all documented. It's on, there's footage. I got triple power bombed more than anybody, not only during my baby face run with them, but when I was heel, because nobody wanted to take triple power bombs from the shield. I would volunteer all the time to do it because and guys would get mad at me for wanting to put them over. And I go, no, they're pushing them. We have to, these are the guys they want to make. I, so it bothers me that he went that route and he was never there, like never there, not for any of it. And I know he has, he talks to people within WWE and whatnot and Kevin Dunn or whoever it is. And my, he's smart enough to know that I left with everything and they put out like they have the working relationship with the Sportster and Bleacher Report. And those are the companies that were putting out all the bad things about me that I had to have taken down when I left and that they're not going to say, well, of course, they're going to say he has a bad attitude. But let's look at the whole picture and falling at my face at WrestleMania with Mark Henry. I went out and I said I had a discussion with Vince on it. I went out and I did my job. I never complained. All the way to the point that I left, the contract negotiations, everything getting changed with Kalisto. I argue anybody to watch those matches and act like that's a guy who's not coming back the next night. You would never have known. I went out there and I did everything in my power to help put Kalisto over. I never once tried to fight to go get the finish changed. That's what you want to do. That's what I'll go do. I'll go make him. Hopefully we make him after this. So I would argue that I never had a bad attitude at any point when I was there, but I left and I've talked the truth and my truth from that. So if that's what you want to say is having a bad attitude so that your fans understand why you left to begin with, then then so be it. But I just wish if you're going to say something like that, you back it up with facts and with specific facts, because I would be able to then be able to defend myself a little better on that. And I just look at people when I left, of course, I was pissed off and left. But you got to remember, you have talent there that sit in pools, Raj, that talk shit about everybody, that bitch and complain in the locker room, in the stands. I never once was a part of that. And if I was, I would get up and leave if they started guys would because that's what happens there. And maybe and there's a lot of insecurity and jealousy in pro wrestling. You have a 300 pound guy who looks great, who probably everyone thinks takes steroids, who doesn't. Do you think, I don't know what people are going to say and not say, and if I say something and, whoa, Ryback's bitching and complaining, everybody there bitches and complains all the time, openly and whatnot. So 
And I never made a point to, to go around doing that. And not to say that I'm sure there were different points towards the end that I obviously showed frustration. And I would say rightfully fucking so after everything and whatnot. So, but I always conducted business professionally and did my job. And I just think that I think if you're going to say a guy has a bad attitude, you need to back it up a little with some specific facts on why he has the bad attitude. But I think if people that know my career and knows what happened and with that lawsuit and the different things, then you can understand. And obviously creatively with, with what I brought to the table and, and the, having the numbers there with it, that you can look at it and say, Oh, that guy actually fucking had a great attitude for all of that. I would have killed somebody. Like it's so I, and I like Jim and I know Jim doesn't, mean any harm with anything and, and he's stated he wishes the best and i just think he doesn't say him like i left a lot on the table i had to leave i needed a five disc fusion and shoulder replacement that the company was covering up with toradol and cortisone if i hadn't left i would have been forced to retire within what i was told within probably six months with the way that it was going and catching my disc when i caught it so i obviously vented my frustrations and again creatively and financially, even though they offered me a decent amount of money to stay, that I, I did not choose to resign. That if you just look at look at the the facts, I think you'll see that it, it's I had to leave to save my life and my career. And and again, financially getting toyed with once I dropped that lawsuit and dealing with the repercussions of all that. Now it's very frustrating. But I've learned to let it, like, I'm grateful for the entire experience because it's made me who I am today. But you'd be, I would be lying if I said it didn't, didn't piss me off and still doesn't piss me off at times that people don't understand because it's been talked about so much. And that's all I want. I just want, just understand the facts of what happened. And then if you still want to fucking say whatever you want to say, awesome. But that's the facts of what happened. Yeah. It sounds like JR kind of took that back on Twitter and everything. Yeah. So hopefully. It's it's yeah. over and done with water under the bridge. And he doesn't, I, I just said, again, if you're going to yeah. make comments, just please, I, yeah. at least let's back him up. And everyone, we all say things and we, oh, maybe we shouldn't have said that. So, so the final story this week, which is kind of a, a left turn from the other topics we've discussed, uh, WWE 2K20 came out and there has been a backlash to this game. Like I've never seen before uh, uh, hashtag fix WWE 2K20 has been trending on Twitter. Uh, there's just been tons and tons of glitches right back. I, I, I'm not a video game guy. I haven't played video games since the NES uh, back in the day, but you got to check out this video on YouTube. There's like a 20 minute video of the glitches on this game. There's this one with the, the referees like accosting Charlotte. It's, I mean, really? it's just the glitches in this game are just insane to, to the point where uh, Sony has been offering refunds to people that bought the game uh, on the PS4. Wow. Uh, apparently some people have been complaining about that saying they're not giving it. If you downloaded it, I, I'm not entirely sure, but um, yeah. So it's, it, Earlier this year, this past August, uh, W2K was with Ukes, who was the developer. They split. They moved to Visual Concepts, so clearly they had to change the game engine, and it's been a disaster. It it looks like they rushed to get this game out, and it's it's been a disaster. I was going to say, how does this happen? But that if that if Ukes is out, and they're the ones that have been doing this now, that would explain it. But I mean. You, they would have to know putting this game out that there were mistakes in it. If it's this obvious with everyone, as soon as it comes out, that why would it? Uh, oh, 
I mean, that, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, WWE's name is on it. You know, obviously, it's a licensing deal where they license to, you know, the name to 2K Sports, but it's their name. It's their IP that's being used. Uh, is going to design their own wrestling game. Obviously, that's going to lead to to rumors, but uh, Ukes is uh, doing their own thing. But Is that yeah, possibly with AEW? AEW has talked about, uh, has hinted that there will be a ga- uh, video game announcement. Does, they didn't uh, say it's with Ukes or, or, or who it's with, but... Uh, yeah, we'll see. That would be that would be very cool. It's it's unfortunate, and you know I'm not a big video game guy, and I grew up playing all the wrestling games, and it's unfortunate, you know. And I don't know what the talent, you know, I haven't been on the games. They haven't. They, I well, I take that back. They do have me on the game as Silverback with my taunt still. Is uh, is I've been notified by different fans, so they've done a good job at not making that as obvious that 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 is my feed me more taunt, but. Um, you know, the talent, I don't know what they're making on the games. I know, like I said, when we were there, it got dropped. I never once got a good video game check from what they used to be with guys making 60, 70, 85,000 in the beginning levels. And then that got dropped down to like 10, 11, 12,000 during our time there. And uh, they never brought it up the entire time that I was there. And I don't know if they've increased it since and whatnot. So um, I would imagine WWE, if they would, I don't know if there's a, with, if they get a certain portion of a refund on that with that business deal, I don't know how that works. But yeah. I just know we, as a talent, we took the hit back when in 2012, whatever, when the, what, what the, was it THQ when they declared bankruptcy? Yeah. Just so everybody knows, once again, the talent got punished for that and didn't get the paychecks outside what they were supposed to be. And that was their excuse to dropping the pay to what it was is because they supposedly lost money or they, whatever in the deal. And then they had John Cena speak up telling everyone we have to be a team on this. We all have to take the hit on this from the one guy who has more financial security than the entire roster combined uh, saying that speaking for the organization, which was, I just go, what the fuck is going on? And it never, the checks never increased after that. So. Yeah. Well, if you haven't checked it out, go to wrestling Inc. Uh, search on 2k 20 and, and you'll see it. It's, it, it's, it's a must see, but uh, in a year of, you know, kind of a lot of bad news uh, on the second half of this year for WWE with the, the stock dropping and the ratings dropping. Uh, and now this, you know, which, you know, does affect their bottom line a little bit. Um, it, uh, but they are going to have a record, uh, record money-making year next year with the TV deals, the full year deals kicking in and the Saudi Arabia deals. So absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, well, thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Likewise, Raj, anything you want to go ahead and plug to wrap up? Uh, yeah, check out wrestling.com. We got uh, interviews with Diamond Dallas Page, uh, tons of other uh, interviews. We have uh, new interviews every day. So, uh, yeah, keep checking us out at wrestlinginc.com. Good deal, Raj. Thank you as always. And guys, we'll be right back after these messages. Baseball season is in full swing, and placing a wager on baseball has never been more exciting than with betonline.ag. This week, I'm not watching any of the game, guys, because you know the big guy Ryback doesn't watch much sports, to be quite honest. But I'm not against it at all, and if you love sports and you love betting, betonline.ag is your place, because now you can save an extra 50% added on to your sports betting bankroll when you go to clnsmedia.com slash Ryback and use code CLNS50. The best part is... The bonus will be added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support our podcast by going to clnsmedia.com slash Ryback and use code CLNS50. 
a minimum deposit of $25 is required to qualify for the bonus. And please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. BetOnline.ag, your one-stop shop for online betting. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the big guy, Ryback. And I want to talk to you about Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service I've been using for years. Meal prep at your doorstep. Fuel Meals at FuelMeals.com has something for everybody. An easy way to eat healthy in this fast-paced life we are all living. Whenever I'm in a pinch, I go to my Fuel Meals and I love it. I love to eat real food, but the fact is I can't cook for every single meal of the day. So Fuel Meals come in handy for me when I need it most, and I think it could help you too. Tell them the big guy sent you and use discount code the big guy to save 15%. Fuelmeals.com. Feed me more. Welcome back. Big thank you this week to Conrad. Uh, really been wanting to talk to him for some time. It was a, thought it was a good opportunity to have him on. And uh, I really, really appreciate him with his busy schedule and, and working, you know, the full-time job and, He's uh, the busiest man in podcasting, probably, with the amount of uh, shows and content that he is uh, involved with, and arguably the the best co-host in the game. I arguably, I think, one of the best just podcasters general in the game. Big thank you to him for coming on, Raj Geary. As always, big thank you. I, I really greatly appreciate that. And you guys can check out everything with Raj at his wrestlinginc.com website. He he does a very good job. Uh, with everything that he puts out and it's greatly appreciated his involvement and contributions to this podcast. I do want to go ahead and thank you to our sponsors of this show, Real Good Foods. You can save 15% with Real Good Foods at realgoodfoods.com with discount code Ryback. They have the keto pizzas, enchiladas, or low carb uh, pizzas, enchiladas, poppers. They have a cauliflower pizza. They have breakfast sandwiches. They're in a lot of the grocery stores now, but you can check them out, their menu, at realgoodfoods.com, and you can actually see, I believe, on their website, their store locator on, on your local area, where they're at, or if you do need to, to order online, you can save 15% again with discount code Ryback. Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service. Fuelmeals.com, save 15% with discount code the big guy. They have the lean chicken steak. I Right now, my I'm getting their lean uh, grilled chicken with broccoli and a baked potato. And I have steak with brown rice and broccoli that I go back and forth with and load up. And then I, I take those and I put them and I cook them with my other meals or a couple times throughout the day. And it makes it, it very convenient and saves uh, from eating out all the time and meal prepping. It comes fresh on ice delivered right to your doorstep. And it really, really helps in sticking to a diet guys. There's something that where sometimes if you're in a pinch for time or you're stressed you're kind of the go-to to eat something shitty. You know, if you know you have healthy meals sitting around your house, you just got to pipe, pop it in the microwave or throw it in a pan and, and, you know, put a little coconut oil or something in there and uh, a little olive oil and, and cook it, heat it up real quick. And it, the food tastes, it tastes great. It really, really makes eating guys, uh, eating healthy a lot easier. And it's, again, with this show, I, I typically like to only promote things that I truly actually believe in outside of when we did the bet online. That was just, I'm not a better. I'm just pointed. I don't bet, but a lot of people do. 
Feed Me More Nutrition, guys, available on FeedMeMore.com and Amazon. Amazon, you can save 10% on FeedMeMore.com with discount code PODCAST10. For everybody, we've cut down on our discounts on that we were doing. We we were going over the books, and I had been advised to cut down on the amount of 20 and 25% discounts that we were running. We're still honoring a couple of them here for probably uh, another two or three weeks and then, but the majority of them have been phased out, and we've seen because uh, our profit mar- margins not being as large um, as other supplement companies, it was really, really putting a dent in that. And it, it's when you see the numbers and going over it, and then you're when they you're advised like you need to cut down on this because what are you going to do when you want to run a promotion? Oh, that I can't be doing 40 percent discounts. Like we're not there's there's no margins in that, so. Uh, that's what's going on on that. So 10% is kind of the, the the happy number that we're okay doing and moving forward, what we're going to be doing discount-wise, typically for Feed Me More Nutrition on that. But we're growing. We're going to have our best month once again on feedmemore.com. So thank you guys tremendously. And uh, we got the Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner arriving, the new one this week, which is the same formula, but we've switched out the green tea with matcha green tea because it has even more fat burning properties. So the Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner, if you ask yourself, how could it possibly be better? It is with the matcha green tea. I am huge on matcha green tea and its fat burning capabilities and speeding up the metabolism. And I think you guys are going to dig it. Dig it. Good. Big thank you to BioAccelerator. Just got off the phone the other day with one of the doctors who called for a checkup going over everything. Um, if you are injured or know anybody injured in, in chronic illness or pain, and you want to possibly see about alternative therapies other than surgery, please check out BioAccelerator. That's www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback-Reeves. www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback-Reeves. And Iowa Hawks fan on my Instagram or BioAccelerator on Instagram, you guys could reach out to them and they can give you some pricing or in, uh, more information on what it is that they could do to possibly help you. And they, my back and <clears throat> shoulder guys, this three and a half, four hour days with the rehab, I'm back. I'm over 300 pounds. I'm getting, we've started the feed me more fitness videos, rebuilding ride back. I got another one we're recording today down at dragon's gym here in Las Vegas with a, a fitness girl, a Brazilian fitness girl, Karen, that I know she's going to be working out with me on this one. Figure why not? What better way to get people to watch me on YouTube than work out with hot chicks, big guy with hot chicks. What an asshole, big meathead. That's what I'm doing. I'm working my way up to the workout collabs with the big guns. So my weights are still very light right now. And I will be working out in tank tops, guys. I might bring my tank top today. I'm trying to get myself in tip-top shape because I already know that if I if there's if I don't look it is how I want to look, in which I, I feel like I look pretty respectable right now. But uh, they don't understand the any of it. The like I said, the five disc fusion and needing a shoulder replacement. It's like, guys, I'm I'm lucky to be anywhere near where I'm at right now. I never let myself go once during any of this, which is uh, toot toot. <laughs> but I would have been that would have been depressing. Just to let myself get fat during all this. But I am bulking right now. I'm putting on weight, so I'm I'm not in my cutting phase, and I still got all my abs and. But I'm trying to get as big and muscular as I can and rebuild lost muscle 
that I lost in my shoulders and different areas. Like I could tell my shoulders are not is they don't pop like they did because I couldn't do shoulder presses or anything for the last three years. And I've been, I've been, when you lift light, you can't, I was always lifted so heavy, my muscle, and that's going to come back really quickly on that, which is happening because I'm starting to lift a little more and a little more in certain positions. So that's what's going on with all that guys. Thank you for supporting feed me more nutrition as we continue uh, to grow with all this. It, it honestly, it, it means the world to me. And, and uh, I think it's like month five, four or five of hitting uh, record sales on the website, which I anticipate to keep up uh, through the end of the year with the holidays. So thank you. You keep me a very busy man. And I, I try my best guys with everything and with all the YouTube comment. So you can check me out on YouTube, this podcast, youtube.com slash Ryback TV. I think this week I, I'm going to talk about briefly guys for my message of the week. Here is from a book called The Vortex, and I'm going to get that information. I'm just pulling it up. By Esther and Jerry Hicks, The Vortex, where the law of attraction assembles all cooperative relationships. And I, my, my good friend Nika, actually, um, who's very in tune with a lot of this stuff, reached out last week, and she started sending me some of this stuff from Esther Hicks. And she goes, you need to listen to this. And I go, what? I haven't, I've heard of her name. I said, but I haven't listened to any of her stuff. Not that I'm aware of. And uh, so I downloaded a couple of her books and watched some of her YouTube videos. And again, it's a never ending game of learning and, and reinforcing. And, and so for me, the, in the law of attraction, and, and you'll have some people that, oh, that's a bunch of uh, hocus pocus. And it's been proven it's not. It's all energy based and it all deals around the, the premise of ask, believe, receive. And, and oftentimes we're all have the ability to ask. Asking is probably the easiest of the three of, you know, positive affirmations and, and putting out things. It's like if you don't have uh, enough money and, you know, and then you learn, it's not saying I, I want more money. It's I have enough money and it's, but it's being grateful for what you have and, but believing what you're actually the words that you're asking or affirming that believing is the next hardest part on that. Because oftentimes we could say one thing, but we don't believe. And, and that's, that's a huge gap. And that's where people, oh, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. You know, I want a million dollars. I, I, I said I was going to have a million dollars and, and, but they didn't truly believe it. And then they didn't follow it up with action because they didn't believe it to begin with. So there was no positive action, no 10 X effort on that as well. But then it comes down to, and for me, I always learn things in different stages and, or it like something will click on a higher level than it even clicked before. And I go, Oh fuck, I'm not doing that part of it as good as I was. And uh, so that's why it's a never ending game on all this, especially in the times that we live in. And for me that I, the one thing I'm really getting out of all this is the feeling aspect of actually feeling good. And I've talked about having, having a business and different things. And there's days when I get really, really stressed out and I have so many people messaging me, I can't keep up with all of it. And I just got to put my phone down and get away. And, uh, for me, feeling good is in it's being understanding that you have enough, being grateful for what you have and, and it concentrating on the right things. But for me, and I, and I talked about this on different things in that dropping bombs podcast, feeling good is, is just, you know, so treating other human beings, good, holding a door open for somebody, doing a good deed, smiling at somebody doing these little things are the kind of the starting point of feeling good that could put you in the right frame of mind to receive the asking and the believing it kind of ties it all together. 
Because if you're feeling good, that that right there is the most important, important step in being happy and being grateful. And if you're feeling good, that makes that stuff that much easier. Whereas if you're fighting that and you're in a bad mood and you're putting out that negative energy and you're not truly feeling it, the asking and the believing, it's a disconnect. And it all doesn't, you need your, the energy to all match up, if that makes sense. Ask, believe, receive. You got to be in perfect harmony and perfect, perfect frequency with the universe on the law of attraction. And it's not easy. It's not always easy. And there's times when it's, and it's constantly, it's catching yourself when you're negative or when you're not feeling good and you, because bad things happen. Somebody does something, somebody messes up for me that works for me. I'm going to get angry or I send three texts and then they ask again, what do I need to do? You get angry and then you got to just, no, feel good, be grateful. And again, have those things and that you could, like my dogs, my dogs make me happy no matter what. I find myself, if something and I get stressed, I go to the dogs because I know the dogs are going to put my mind in a good place that will then help me take that and carry it back over to what I'm doing. So we got to have these little things, you know, we're pissed off, we're fucking angry. We, we go to the grocery store and then we we think that uh, we don't have to hold the door open for somebody or we kind of go out of our way to kind of be a little mean to somebody or we don't want to return our shopping cart. Well, I'm pissed off. I don't have to return my shopping cart. Ah, the store made me angry. And then you all of a sudden, it's just this, whereas you could, you we're choosing to do that. And if we just go out of our way to become conscious of this, because it happens to all of us, we could shift out of that a little quicker. But ask, believe, receive. And the key to receiving what we want, and again, hard work and all that is just automatically figured in, is feeling good. We have to be on a feeling good frequency. And we have to have things that we can go to that make us feel good. Because we're all going to feel bad. It, probably multiple times throughout the day. And it's up to us to find the things that make us feel good. Get in that feel-good moment and then take it to the areas that maybe we weren't feeling as good about and try to salvage that. And it's a never-ending game, guys. And we all it's being aware of it and working on it. And ask, believe, receive. How do I receive, Ryback? You feel good. Figure out what makes you feel good. What do you want then? You ask. You have to believe. You believe by doing the work. That's where it ties in. A lot of people have a disconnect on that. Believe. You have confidence when you believe and you believe you because of the work. That's my motivational thought of the week on that, guys. And with that, I would like to thank you guys for listening. Another another fun episode. Thoroughly enjoying myself here. For all fan mail, you can please send it to P.O. Box 752740, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89136. Thank you to Wiretap Radio. As always, looking at my little, little list here, please subscribe to this podcast on Ryback TV, youtube.com slash Ryback. TV personal video shout out to cameo.com slash the big guy Ryback for all inquiries or appearances or anything. You could message me at book the big guy at yahoo.com, even though I'm not doing anything here. And wrestling wise, guys, just for the record, uh, I, we had a booking I think that was supposed to be in Barbados. It was in November, just got canceled. And I was gonna do a, a show over in Pakistan in December, right before Christmas. I can't be, they wanted me to be gone for a lot longer than what I could and can't do it with the dogs. So uh, we pulled out of that one and I'm not, I, I figured too, 
I need to spend this year on my rehab and getting my shoulder as big and strong as possible so that I can then go back and start doing my boxing, my jujitsu, my Muay Thai, and I can get in a wrestling ring and just get back in there. And I'm working on my conditioning every day again. Now my conditioning is great for being over 300 pounds. It's great for any size for me. My, I've made sure I've kept myself in shape on a conditioning aspect of it, even taking the two months off of the stem cells. But uh, this is something I can't rush. And I wasn't able to squat and deadlift for almost off outside of little brief periods for three years. And I'm back, I'm back moving some weight again and it's feeling things out. It's not rushing it. And uh, this is uncharted territory for everything that's happened to me and having another chance to come back. And uh, I'm not, I'm just making sure I put myself in the best position possible to be in control. And that's what we're doing. So I'll be spending the remaining 2020 Busting my ass, doing everything I'm doing right now, getting in the best shape possible. And uh, like I said, I'll, I'll get in the wrestling ring here probably towards the end of the year or if not the early beginning of the year. And uh, that will be a, a quick, I've been out of the ring, like I said, a year and a half with my ankle injury and went right back to doing live events with no practice. Nobody knew any different. It's like riding a bike. Once you get it, you get it. You just make sure you're in shape. And I don't believe in ring rust. It's all mental. And this stuff is ingrained in my brain till the day I die. And I have a very high confidence level and belief in me. Like I said, the conditioning is all I care about. If I'm in condition, I can go with anybody. And uh, it's all, that ring is is like a second home to me. So we will see. But again, get ready, get healthy, and then go from there. Wake Up, It's Feeding Time, my motivational book back there. If you could get that, you can get signed copies on feedmemore.com, guys. Or you can check it out on Amazon in paperback, audible, and Kindle formats. Follow me on social media, the big guy Ryback22. Feed me more nutrition and conversation with the big guy. Instagram, Twitter at Ryback22, Facebook, Feed Me More Nutrition, and Snapchat, Ryback247. You guys have just listened to another episode of Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. Feed me more. with the big guy Ryback. Subscribe, like, rate, comment, and feed.